0: Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Laferra, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 132nd episode of the podcast airing March 18th, 2022. Happy full moon in Virgo to all. Now, in this episode, I'm delighted to welcome back special guest Catherine Urban to join me in conversation on Aries Equinox Season 2022. And Catherine and I are going to dive into all the juicy details regarding the season of our astrological new year. And so we start with the discussion of the cardinal fire Aries energy uh, as a whole, and then the role of the equinox, before diving in to dissect the Aries ingress chart set for Washington DC. We then go on to break down this 30-day period day by day, well, at least aspect by aspect, and highlighting all the major action that's taking place, including the new and full moons, Venus and Mars starting new Saturn cycles, uh, and then all three of them creating nodal configurations that are getting activated, uh, and of course, the much-awaited Jupiter-Neptune grand conjunction. So there is a lot to unpack here, and this year's Aries season will be pulling out all the stops. Now, to see us step through the astrology charts as we talk, you can tune into this, uh, p- this program through a video version over on YouTube. Now, if you would like to support the podcast, you are welcome to come on over to my website at energeticprinciples.com, uh, where you can book a personal consultation uh, with yours truly, or you can leave a tip in my tip jar, or really just by spreading the good word and sharing the podcast with a friend, that is a way to support it as well. And of course, I have my monthly newsletter, it's a transit newsletter that tells you everything that's going on in the skies, called The Heavenly Wind. So you can sign up for that as well uh, on the front page of my website. Now, exciting news, you know, who of you want to harness the Equinox in real time? Uh, If you want to take advantage of the actual day that the Aries Ingress starts, uh, we welcome you to come join us on Sunday for an Aries Equinox Activation Workshop, where Christina Caudill and I will be hosting a free mini-workshop to help you clarify your focus and identify this year's Aries mission. Now, in this gathering, we're going to be exploring the Aries Ingress chart and how that correlates to and to you and helps you plan and identify your Aries mission, uh, where we're gonna be providing the tools to create a 90 day action plan, which is very Mars Aries, right? For yourself, uh, for relationships and for the community. We'll be harnessing the motivation of group energy with Mars and Venus and Aquarius. Uh, And so, you know, the group can all get on track together. So I have a really good feeling about what Uh, all of us can bring to the table uh, in a communal setting. Now, you can register via the link in this podcast description to reserve your spot and receive our free PDF worksheet titled, Nine Steps to Activating Your Aries Mission. And so the PDF is there to help you clarify your 2022 intentions with some key questions and, you know, fill in the blanks, et cetera. Now, the workshop will be free to attend live this Sunday on March 20th at noon Eastern time or 9 a.m. Pacific, and then there will be a free replay of the workshop for 48 hours after the live session. Now, it will be available for you to watch and keep for $22 after March 22nd, so if you can't make it live or you'd like to revisit the content for future motivation, you can choose to purchase after the fact. Now, we are very fired up for this special day, and we do hope you will join us. All right. With that being said, who's ready to hear all about Aries Equinox season 2022? Here we go. Now, let's meet our guest. All right. I am so happy to welcome back to the program. We have Catherine Urban with us here today. Thanks for joining me again, Catherine. Thanks
1: for having me back, Melissa. I know the last time I was a guest here, we were on tourist season. So now we're back almost a whole year later.
0: That's right. And well, I thought Catherine came into mind because I know that you have cardinal placement, um, and I remember you being, you Libra, right? Is that? Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Libra, uh, cancer blend. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I feel like if you're a Libra, you know a thing or two about
1: Aries. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> It's true. And I have the North Node in Aries and I have Jupiter in Aries. So um, learning, learning how to Aries has been very helpful for all the Libra I've got. Oh, I love
0: it. So I, yeah, Catherine popped into my mind about to do, uh, the Aries equinox episode. And I mean, it's a big, it's a big season. I mean, it's a big season every year because it is our zodiacal new year. When we think about Aries, the, the, uh, first sign of the Zodiac, depending on who you talk to um, there. <laughs> it, uh, it, it is our refresher. It's the birth of spring here in the Northern Hemisphere. And um, yeah, it's it's big. And of course, we have the Aries Ingress, which is always of interest uh, to look at uh, the setup for the year and especially in position to, you know, whatever country you're in. And so we're going to talk a little bit about all that here today. Um, but before we dive into Aries territory, uh, Cap. And let people know who you are in case they have not heard of you before.
1: Hey everyone, I'm Catherine Urban. Um, I've been practicing astrology for a full Jupiter cycle now. And I'm located in Cleveland. I offer consultations, I do weekly forecasts, and um yeah, and I teach. Teaching astrology has been um something I found to really enjoy. And yeah, so that's that's pretty much the the bulk of my practice and You can find me at Astro Catherine on pretty much all platforms if you enjoy our conversation today.
0: Yes. And you're going to definitely want to uh, write that down where, of course, we'll share this later. It'll be in the podcast description. It'll be on my blog. It'll be everywhere. But Catherine, as uh, you know, you have fabulous writing and insights and you're always right there to share on the spot what's going on uh, in the stars. And so you're definitely going to want to follow Catherine for sure. I was stoked to find you last year because it was like happenstance when we were doing the, um, the, uh, summit and we asked for, uh, submissions, um, and we got so many for people to join us. So we'd only pick a, a very few to add to the astrology of awakening summit, but, um, but Catherine, Catherine was like, had my vote. I was like, who is this woman? I was like, I felt, I felt like I resonated with you. Like you were like our minds kind of synced up uh, astrologically because you were pointing out things. I watched a couple broadcasts with you on it. And I was like, I would have said the same thing or I'm dying. I look at it that way too. And I was like, Catherine's I feel, in my
1: astral mind. <laughs> I feel the same way, Mel, when I tune into energetic principles, I feel like you and i have sort of a similar approach to astrology like we're both technical and it must be it must be the air and the water mixture right like yeah technical but also uh cosmic yeah
0: technically cosmic <laughs>
1: uh that's what that's what we are
0: um yes. so oh catherine i'm so glad to have you back um and to talk about aries season so let's i mean let's jump in there because no joke the season has so much going on. Um, and we don't want to keep you all here forever. Uh, <laughs> so we might as well get in there. Um, yeah. and a good place to start always is just thinking about, um, Aries in general, you know, the the characteristics of Aries, uh its energy, cardinal fire, uh the fact that Mars comes back into focus and of course that this is the equinox, this is the point of equal day, equal night that the whole tropical zodiac is even set up uh upon to to begin with, you know, this is a very important uh ingress and season and so Catherine, where do you, where do you jump in there first? Talking about Aries, equinox, the sign,
1: where do you feel? Yeah. So this is the spring equinox. And, um, I I really like to think about this, this date or this, um, rather celestial event, um, in context of that it is, it is one of the three pagan fertility holidays. So this is about rebirth. So we're, this is about reemergence. This is about, Um, emerging from sort of the Saturnian ruled months. And then we have like the Pisces season that helps kind of get us excited for what's to come. And this is, this is the first day of spring. Aries season corresponds with the first day of spring. So there's something about energetic and vitality sort of coming in with the, with the cardinal fire of Aries. And yeah, I think there's something really invigorating and um, you know, something that some really amazing traits that we can often use to describe the sign Aries is youthful and courageous. So there's something fresh. There's something really fresh coming in with Aries season, but there's something also that is fearless and and saying kind of giving us that nudge to just go for it. And we need that in the spring. We need that to kind of warm us up after. Um, you know, where I live we get all four seasons. So it's cold and and there's still some ice out there. So we need that warmth to sort of, um, defrost us and get us moving again. Yes, I definitely the defrost.
0: Um, hitting the defrost button basically is what uh, airy season feels like. Well, at least here in the northern hemisphere. You know, it's it's easy for us to talk about, you know, because Catherine and I are both in the United States, you know, a lot of listeners are in the US or in Europe. Um, but it's always a trip to think about the southern hemisphere and our listeners over there in Australia and how it's uh it's now autumn. You know, it's uh the, the frost is coming, no, just- <laughs> not yet, but um, it's always an interesting thing to think about. Uh, but since we are here in the Northern hemisphere, we're obviously going to probably lean more into the idea of spring. Um, and, and the, the thawing out it's like when that seedling starts to become, you know, is starting to break ground and just seeing the warmth of the sun come back. You know, we think about the sun in Aries, it's position of exaltation, you know, the sun is rising once again to, uh, take over the night. Essentially, that's the idea of the equinox is that the sun becomes uh, longer in days after it. So that that period of the sun returns, at least here in the northern hemisphere. Um, And it it made me think, Catherine, actually, because we're recording this a few days um, before the Virgo full moon which is probably about the time that this is going to come out in air. Um, But I always, it's so interesting to think about like planting season and spring coming and how we always have this Virgo full moon that we think about spring cleaning, right? And then we have this like, big Virgo energy that comes, obviously Pisces too, and the mutable transition before. Um, and why I went out and bought like three plants yesterday and had to get, you know, fertilizer and new pots and it's the growth season and everybody's busy like that. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't even know if that's a question. That's just something, an observation about Virgo coming before it, at least the full moon.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm really, I'm thinking that way too, Mel. Like I'm thinking today, I was like, my aloe plants did not make it through the winter. I need to get another one. And I was thinking how auspicious it would be to get one on the equinox um, instead. But yeah, I love what you mentioned about there being like an equilibrium. So no matter which hemisphere you're in on either of the equinoxes, there's going to be an equal amount of light uh, for all over the globe. So we'll have the same amount of daylight everywhere on the globe, um, which is pretty cool to think about. But certainly here in the Northern Hemisphere, um, yeah, the light is going to start overtaking the night. And um, I think that's one reason why or part of the rationale um, as to why the sun finds um, its exaltation in Aries, because it's it's coming back. There's something triumphant. There's something vibrant. There's something um, really revitalizing about the sun in Aries. So it's it's here to give us that nudge for sure. Yeah. Because it's like, you come out of winter... You come out of Pisces, you
0: know, <laughs> Pisces for everyone is different. Like there is uh it can go either way, but I guess that's mutable for you. Um, there is this this energizing vitality, aliveness that comes with Aries season. It's like every, you know, whatever slumber you might have been in or whatever funk or whatever, you know, was moving around and you just didn't know what to do yet with, you know, Aries comes around and it makes things more pointed, you know, the Cardinal rushing, moving, it's time to take action. You're inspired to do it. Um, or sometimes, you know, another key word with Aries comes with crisis. And so, like, sometimes there's a crisis and there are different levels of crisis in life. You know, I don't want to say everybody's going to the brink of like some major crisis, but sometimes things are in crisis and it requires quicker action and, and instinct and, and what you need to do to move past whatever um, situation has kind of bubbled up to the surface that needs that courage, that attack, that, uh, that confidence, that bravado, you know, to, uh, to move life along because it's, if there's one thing that Aries is not, it's
1: stagnant. Right. Right. Yeah. I think Aries, a, a, another great, um, you know, offshoot here is impulse and, the sign of Aries, it, it, it's about responding and sort of that impulse to respond to the moment, to seize the moment that's right in front of you. So that's, and that's why it's a great season to be our astrological new year. So a lot of astrologers do consider Aries, the astrological new year. And, um, yeah, if we want to get into the Aries Ingress chart, that is a chart that will have us that will kind of set the tone for the, the year ahead, um, depending there's there's some qualifying there. But um, in general, the, the Aries Ingress is going to set the tone for the year ahead. And um, yeah, Mel, as you were saying, we we set it for the capital of whichever nation we're we're. Inquiring about um so yeah, I see you pulled up this chart here. Yeah, we got our chart set for
0: Washington, DC because we are we are in uh, the US, so that's where Catherine and I will be looking at. Um but uh yeah, so it, it's a it's a big day for that particular reason, and um it's a it's a big chart. It is <laughs> it is such an interesting chart that we have here for 2022 because how it you know, the idea of the Aries ingress. Well, any ingress chart, when a sun moves into a different sign, you know, you can take that moment for whatever location that you're in and kind of look at the quality of what that season's going to bring. But the Aries one is like a supercharged year-long chart that uh, will set up the chart for the year ahead. And then based on the rising sign of the area in particular that you're looking at, it'll tell you if you are to uh, draw more charts further in the year at the equinox, to the other equinox equinox and the two solstices. Um, But with this Aries ingress chart for March 20th, 2022 at 11.33 a.m. Washington, D.C. time, we have Gemini rising. So we have this mutable air energy on the ascendant, um, which means that we will draw another chart when in due time, uh, for Libra that will kind of dictate at least the U S, uh, course of events and what's kind of going on within the country here. So Catherine, when you look at the Aries ingress chart, what is the first thing that pops out to you?
1: Gosh, well, I mean, the first thing that we have to look at is the placement of the sun, Um, you know, the sun is in the 11th house. Traditionally, the 11th house um, is considered a more fortunate house. So we may see something sort of good coming out of this, which I think we're all kind of hopeful for that. You know, um, even though we are moving into Aries season, we still have a ton of Pisces emphasis with, you know, the hope, the hopefulness of Jupiter and Pisces. And so I, I like that 11th house placement for the sun. But of course, Um, you know, when looking at the Aries ingress, you're usually looking at that from a mundane lens and you tend to, you tend to look at, you know, national trends and things like that. So the sun uh, is always going to represent the leader. And so being in the 11th house, that is also a house of, um, legislation, like the legislative branch. So there could be some sort of theme that we see there, but the thing that really sticks out to me about this Aries ingress chart is the moon. Um, the I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The moon is at 29 degrees Libra in 53 minutes. So it is just, you know, at the very end of, of Libra and it's, um, void it's fresh off of a square from Pluto and it's in the Via Combusta, which is traditionally, um, a section of the Zodiac that will make you raise a couple eyebrows. eyebrows. Um, And so, yeah, it's also interesting. There's so much I could elaborate on there. But the one thing that also really sticks out is that it it is really, um, it's conjunct Kamala Harris's son. The uh, the moon is? Yes. Yes. Huh. (laughs)
0: Hmm. Well, there's... There is so much going on in this chart when I think just the US in general. Um, and it's interesting that it it, it activates her chart in some way and what role that she might have within um the coming year. Uh, because everybody's questioning, you know, not to get too political, but everybody's questioning Biden's role and you know, how and no, they're always questioning his health, you know, things along those lines,
1: Certainly.
0: like, yeah. So to see that she's, she's lit up there. And what's fascinating about that too, is that if you look at, um, the chart, Oh, I'm going off just a memory. I hope I got this right. But if you look at the, uh, inauguration chart, um, that was, a when he was inaugurated or they were both were inaugurated. That was a 29 degree Aries moon. Um, and I remember looking at that thinking, Oh, because there was the idea of like, if, you know, what, <laughs> you
1: know, that's dangling on the edge, you know, like that doesn't look too, too good. Um, right. Yeah. Like, cause like you said, dangling on the edge, 29 degrees implies that, that we're at the end of something and that something's about to change. And we see this, this moon in, in the fifth house, um, in, in, Libra, well, it's about to move into Scorpio, which means that the moon will be then in its fall in a cadent house, um, in, in the sign of Scorpio. And so that, that may signify a change in terms of, of health, you know, the general theme of health, um, in this country, you know, so it, it'll be interesting to see how that, how that, um manifest, but also the sixth house is a house of labor. Mm-hmm. And um I know that we're gonna be talking about this a lot. The nice thing about this Aries ingress chart is that we'll be able to elaborate on some of these aspects, but I, I think we're gonna continue to see huge themes around labor this year and particularly this month, too. Yeah, no, I I could definitely see that. Um
0: and well, because it. Uh, well, first thing I'm kind of going, well, there was a couple things that I was going for when I first saw this. Of course, the moon stuck stuck out, and it's basically void after a square with Pluto, you know that's um, and I think about just all the uh, Libra and all the uh, like justice platforms and equality platforms and um and and women stepping up and like there there just seems to be this like hanging on the edge of like justice. Here in America, uh, for its own, you know, the, the its own story that's been going on for the last couple years and the last couple hundred years, you know, like depending on how long you look at it. Uh, now we're in a completely different situation with obviously foreign uh, tensions going on and um, with the Ukraine. Uh, um, situation. And, uh, that's the first thing that's popped out to me is just looking at an overlay and having the ascendant in our house, seventh house, uh, United States, seventh house of, um, you know, enemies, uh, and, and thinking about our position that we take there. And it seems like whenever Gemini is kind of activated, there's something to, uh, there's something to that. And especially since then we, essentially we are in a very, as a country and the people and the position of that first house of Gemini, you know, that's ruled by Mercury over here, conjunct Jupiter in Pisces and Mercury is not in the best condition in Pisces. Uh, You know, it is a sign of its detriment and fall. So there is something that is Um, As we stand in this place of of Jupiter and, you know, and it's very out there in the world, right? You know, this is a 10th house uh, um, conjunction that is taking place. And then we come back to the the leadership. Um, And so this is kind of where my mind went originally with, uh, I mean, I, I love Mercury, Jupiter together. I have it in my chart. You know, I'm like, oh, there's many great things that can come out of it, but it's interesting to have it in the place of um the ascendant for america uh and adding more of the mercurial the mercury jupiter component to the us's aries ingress versus other countries that might be playing on you know a lot of this uh this is you know mars venus and saturn Together basically Mars and Venus squaring Uranus. Um, you know, Mars is backing that Aries sun. So it there is
1: a lot, there is a lot going on here. Um yeah. A a lot, a lot. We could we could spend so much time just talking about this chart. (laughs) The one thing I wanted to um elaborate on here too. So Mel, you mentioned that the ascendant here is at 25 degrees Gemini. This of course. This point, of course, falls in in the United States' seventh house, as you mentioned. So we're definitely seeing that theme, not just with enemies, but with who we're allied with. And I think that that's a big that's a big theme that we're seeing right now as a result of, of the Ukraine and Russian, uh, crisis going on. But the, the other thing here is, is that 25 degrees Gemini is going to be where Mars stations retrograde, um, in, at the end of October. So that will also be happening then in the United States seventh house of allies and enemies. So that's definitely something we want to be paying attention to. And that, we will need to watch for because even though this chart with the Gemini rising will take us up to the fall, we'll have a new chart to use for the fall. I think that that is still, a, um, a foreshadowing to be watched for, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely
0: agree. And, and the one thing that we can take into consideration with this chart, but also the United States chart is that, um, and think about the reversal there, right? Because we have a Gemini rising for this Aries ingress, which makes us, you know, that mercurial po- Mercury position where the enemy or the ally is going to be Jupiter. And here they are sitting together. Um, and, you know, Jupiter is in its domicile. It's in a stronger state. So obviously, depending on who we, um, you know, the the enemy could be stronger, but, uh, so can the ally depending on who we are, uh, you know, joined up with. Um, but it, then also thinking about the reversal of us usually being the the Jupiter side of things, right? And then the the other side is Mercury, typically. So there's a, there's an interesting play um, of, yeah, who we, who we align with, um, the contracts and treaties and, uh, agreements and, um, negotiations, you know, just everything that is, uh, you know, where we stand. Um, and that's a big thing in the world right now is everybody is like, we're, everyone's taking sides, Right. There's this big facts in division going on um, in, I mean, that's how it's been for several years now, like the whole conquer and divide thing. But now more than ever, there's these big world powers that are seemingly starting to take this side. So it's, it's interesting to think about, um, and especially just it being Aries season and then having Mars, who is backing that exalted sun, be in a very volatile position um, with that square to Uranus. So there, you know, it's hard to say, uh, where, where that can go, but this is not, this is not going to be a year where there's not much happening. You know, there's, there's disruption there's discord there's advancement and uh evolution there's innovation there's um uh just you know forward ways of of thinking um i feel like this is great for just thinking up uh you know mercury and jupiter together in pisces um of just coming up with <sighs> you know, just out, out of, out of this world kind of solutions around certain things and current problems that maybe aren't on the world's, uh, uh, well, because uh, actually because of tensions in the world and, and within the, you know, the Aquarian society and, you know, think about gas prices rising now and just, you know, inflation and all that, well, we need big ideas and we need big solutions, um, that are not typical, You know, that's what, that's what I love about a debilitated planet is like a lot of times debilitated planets give us that, like the thing that you would never think of because it's not aligned with the, (laughs) you know, the normal thinking. And so that's kind of where my mind is going with this too, is just thinking about what we can dream up and maybe
1: through tension that allows that to happen. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the Saturn Uranus on a square is still going to be alive and well this year and we'll get we'll get a chance to talk a little bit more about that. But yeah, that that aspect is all about innovation and technology and invention and shifting the the order of of the way the infrastructure is set up and I think a lot of the problems that are coming to a head right now have been there. And so we've had sort of um, these crises sort of um serve as an impetus to sort of move things along. Like we we clearly do need a change. And, and I love what you said about Mercury um, being in its detriment, but applying to this Jupiter, you know, there, there's something optimistic or inherently desirous of, of seeking something else beyond the current experience. And it's right there in the 10th house. So I think that, um, this chart is definitely dynamic, (laughs) definitely, definitely a mixed bag. Um, the one, the other thing I just wanted to point out here is, um, that's a little more worrisome to me is Venus. So, yes. You read my mind. <laughs> so Venus is besieged between Mars and Saturn in the ninth house of, of foreign affairs. So I think that that largely speaks to the sanctions on Russia. You know, that's one way that that transit is manifesting for us in real time. But another thing that's very concerning, um, there is, as you touched upon too, is like women's health issues. And, wrote um, namely Roe v. Wade and how yeah. what's happening in, in certain areas of this country. It's, it's terrifying. And so that's something I, I would watch for. Like I would, I would take that as a sign that it's, it's probably something that we should be paying a lot more attention to it's not like it's just happening in Texas or it's just happening over there. Like this is something we need to be paying attention to and be vigilant about.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree because it really, I mean, essentially Venus is the one backing this 29 degree moon in Libra, um, that just came off a square with Pluto. And there was a lot of the, you know, if we look back to the Venus retrograde, uh, on Pluto and the whole, and that whole cycle that was taking place in December and, um, and January. And even before then, if we go way back to, you know, the Venus retrograde, uh, the previous, uh, two times ago, when we were looking at the Scorpio one, when, you know, the me too movements coming out and all the, like the, it's just interesting timing, and in that really you know pressurized twenty nine degree Libra moon backed by Venus, who's in a rock and a hard place, basically, <laughs> um, in a in a legislative area, uh, and and you know ninth house just in general in beliefs because all this is backed by certain people having stances and, and beliefs that then are put into uh, the form of law. And what, you know, what we are to abide to as a community. And we think about Aquarius there and and the fixed ideas um, that can come along with that space. So I totally agree with you. The Venus is one of the, uh, is one of the most challenged players in our Aries uh, equinox or Aries ingress chart. Um, And my only hope is that she can maybe, you know, do her best to like keep, Mars and Saturn at bay or soften it or like bring the negotiations, you know, like, cause she's caught in the middle. She's not in a great place, but they also have to meet with her too, you know, like, because she's not going, you know, she's, she's right there. She's, it's not like she's across the way. Like she is present, but she's not as in as much power as uh, she, she would like to be. So, um, but you know what? That moon, the moon is the people, right? So the it's not, to me, the people, um, that, that 29 degree moon makes makes me feel like the people are over it. Uh, you know what I mean? Like the people are like done with this. Like, what are we doing? Are we going to sit here forever with this? How does this keep coming up? You know, <laughs> like, I don't know if anything will be definitive or done in the in the long term with all of this. Um, but to me, I, it just feels like the people are just like, we need to move on from this, you know it's an old yeah. issue.
1: Yeah, and the interesting thing is too, is that if we put this in context with the rest of the world, the rest of the world is going to have a very similar chart, just different angles. So these yeah. different planets are going to be in different places around the chart. But it's interesting to think about, as you said, the moon represents the people and every single country is having that, The people are fed up sort of thing. And, and I think the moon coming off of that square to Pluto sort of describes the collective traumas we've been through both with the pandemic and otherwise, um, that the, the pandemic actually intensified in our, in our consciousness to pay more attention to and have more space to raise issue. But yeah, something is about to change. Something is definitely about to change, um, in terms of how the, the, the the common, um, you know, um, like beliefs and stances of the people, like there's going to be a big change as the moon prepares to change signs.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely get behind that. And then just seeing, you know, Venus, Mars together, Saturn up there in Aquarius, which is, is a vocal, you know, society-driven sign squaring Uranus. Like, I feel like there's going to be more protest situations, more people speaking up, you know, like more just active, like active change. Like we are vocalizing what needs to be, what needs to be done because of the pressure position
1: from it, you know, like, so... And and I'll say this, you know, I I like, I don't want to be all doom and gloom, right? (laughs) I, I love this Jupiter Pisces action. I like that the sun is in the 11th house. It's definitely hopeful, but I think there is something to be said about the moon, like transitioning into that sign of Scorpio where it finds its fault. There, there is something that there's going to be some discontent. There's going to be some discontent. There's going to be some issue taken up by the people Um, like you said, the protests, there could be, we could see more of that. So yeah, we'll we'll have to keep this chart on file and (laughs) continue to reference it, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, if there's the one thing that's great about discontent, when you are discontent or you're disappointed or you want more out of life than what it is right now, that's when you step up That's when you stand up for what you believe in or what you think is right. Or you're willing to get off the couch to like be a proponent for something that normally you'd sit back on, you know, like that's, you know, nothing ever gets done because people are comfortable and everything's good, you know, like that's
1: (laughs) precisely. And Hey, that Venus ruling that moon isn't a square to Uranus. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to stir the pot. We're going to shake things up. So She's like, you haven't seen
0: nothing yet. I'm coming out. I'm coming out the box with the. You don't even that twelfth house Uranus.
1: You don't even know where I'm going to show up. But when I do, <laughs> yes, vigilante grassroots justice, right? <laughs> yes, that's funny.
0: Oh well, that being said, let's get into the meat of some of these uh, transits that are going to be taking place um, here. It. Yeah, there's plenty to talk about. Um, let me go ahead and bring up. Uh come back to the chart for where I am in San Diego. Uh but yeah, so we have our equinox uh here on Sunday, March 20th. It'll be 8:33 a.m. uh Pacific time. Um and yeah, so we let me get my notes are my notes are hiding. Um yeah, so first thing, first things first here. Uh Let's do let's continue on our overview real quick before we get into the breakdown because I just want to like highlight what Aries season in itself has to offer. Uh, number one, you know, we're switching focus to Mars, so that Mars in Aquarius there at the start, and then Mars will dip into Pisces a little bit later on in this in Aries season. Uh, Mars is going to be a little bit more of a, a focal point as far as the, the sun's concerned. Um we get tons of nodal action. I mean, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Neptune, all these planets are contacting the nodes either through, well, either one, but harder or softer aspects. Uh, so, you know, when we think about the destiny inducing nodes, you know, that is, that's is—that's a big thing that's on the plate too. Um, and of course, the grand conjunction of Jupiter and Neptune,
1: Catherine, <laughs> Oh, goodness. Yes. That's, that's the exciting. That's the most exciting piece. I think I've been looking forward to that conjunction for a long time. Very excited yeah. to chat about it.
0: Yes. I think we all have. And I think well, not only are we all looking forward to it, we're all very intrigued to see how it'll play out, you know, and that's the, that's the beauty of Neptune is you just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> which way this is gonna go, um, and
1: it, well, it can go all different directions, you know. But uh, it's we have our idea of how we want it to go, <laughs> right? That is
0: true. We have our ideal of how we would like to see Jupiter and Neptune come to the forefront, um, but it is it is mysterious for a reason. Um, yeah. So, and then of course we have our two lunations. We have the new moon in Aries, that we'll be talking about, but also the full moon in Libra, which is pretty juicy. Because it's going to be basically activating a, uh, you know, a T square with Pluto, um, which is interesting, thinking about all that we just talked about with the moon in, you know, 29 degrees Libra in the ingress chart. So um, uh, definitely look to that time with the full moon when we get there to be a, maybe some sort of echo of what is uh embedded within the, the ingress chart itself. Um but yeah, so Aries season gets underway and bam, the same day we got the Mercury Jupiter conjunction in Pisces. What a way, what a way to start.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. And and you mentioned, Melissa, that you have um Mercury-Jupiter in aspect in your chart. I do too. I, I love I love it. I think that um, certainly in this instance, in the sign of Pisces, Jupiter is a lot stronger. There's an open quality here. There's an open quality to communication. And I think as we are already seeing with Mercury and Pisces, people are just much more liberal in terms of how much they share. And sometimes it can it can work against them a little bit with Mercury and Pisces. We saw that thing with Kim Kardashian encouraging people to work harder, you know, people, people didn't like that, but, <laughs> um, that was sort of a Mercury and Pisces moment. And, you know, I love Mercury and Pisces. This isn't to say that it's, it's tough to have an, in, in a birth chart necessarily. I love Mercury and Pisces in a birth chart, but collectively we definitely see, those tongue twisters sort of come out. And I think with Mercury's conjunction to Jupiter, we can certainly expect more of that, especially when people, when it comes to people expressing something that they believe.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there'll be plenty of that going
1: <laughs> going on uh, while Mercury's
0: conjunct Jupiter or especially around the it, it's think about it, like the the uh the fire and the vitality rushes in with that first day of spring and, and and the uh sun moving into Aries, and then everybody's like, and this is how I what I think about it or how I feel, how I feel, you know, because that's the thing is like Pisces is is a water sign, it's an emotive sign. It's like how you feel drives a lot of that what you what your heart or your intuition is telling you like when we talked about earlier about this being such a vital day to to begin anew in a sense and like kind of get that energized um, hit of like activation for the year zodiacal year to come um there's something to be said about mercury sitting in this very idealistic visionary sort of space Um, Along with Jupiter, who is all about what is the growth story? Where is this moving forward? What what's the bigger picture here? What dreams do I have? You know, so to me, it seems like whatever Jupiter has been, you know, activating in your chart while it's been in Pisces and, you know, you can look back to when it was, you know, the sun was conjunct Jupiter, uh, on the 5th of March. Um, and, and maybe what was highlighted then Mercury comes in to help understand that help, help compartmentalize it helps perceive it or communicate it in some way. And so I feel like it's a big day to start the Aries season because our minds are just on, on the future, uh, and what's next.
1: Yeah. It's expansive. It's hopeful. It's optimistic. And so, yeah, we can be, you know, with Mercury ruling the mind, we have this sort of ability to take a wide lens view. And it's not just, I feel like with Sagittarius, you know, Jupiter and Sagittarius, it's like, the expansiveness of, of your terrain. But this is sort of in, this is in Pisces. It's, it's an inner and it's a multidimensional terrain. And I think having that big picture lens lent to um, like all the different layers of reality, all the different layers of of existence. Cause you know, it's headed for Neptune too. Um, You just have this sort of macrocosmic lens of of anything you sort of put your mind to, whether that's contextualizing your personal experiences, the new the new things that you're initiating with Aries season, um, yeah, I think that that aspect is going to help us open up a lot of doors of perception, as they say. Mm-hmm. Yes,
0: the the doors of perception are opening, and we're seeing you know we're seeing the bigger picture of like not just as you said, not just mundane reality. But, uh, you know, the bigger picture of what our, you know, spiritual story is. Like, why are we here? What are we doing? What are we doing next? What haven't we done that we need, that we need, that we're feeling called to? And, um, you know, it, it just puts you more in touch with the spirit. And it's so interesting to think before this moment that the, the planet that was um, touching down on Jupiter uh, and, and Neptune both was the sun. And so basically in the weeks prior, we had the sun conjunct Jupiter and Neptune, which just happened yesterday here when we were recording this podcast. Um, but these are the activations that we want to pay attention to because as the sun already rolled through, and then here comes Mercury to roll through, this is our precursor to what that Jupiter Neptune conjunction looks like, you know, because yes. these are the, the consciousness and the perceptive, uh, you know, facilitators to what the bigger grand conjunction is that's taking place. So really pay attention to what's on your mind on the equinox, uh, and the days surrounding it. It's like, because that is, it, there's something much, there's something bigger at play than just a, a passing thought or a random, you know, um, intuition, like synchronicity could be really big that day, uh, oh, as well. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. And I, and I know that we have a little ways till the Jupiter Neptune conjunction becomes exact, but Mercury's then going to conjoin Neptune just a few days later on the 23rd. And so we'll sort of have an experience of Mercury sort of bridging those two energies and starting to intensify the prominence of Jupiter's conjunction with Neptune, which is certainly a dominant theme in, in the month ahead.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so I love that point because that's essentially pay attention from the 20th through the 23rd as uh, you know, Mercury is is, well, and even through the 24th as the moon squares that position from Sagittarius uh mercury is setting us up <laughs> for for jupiter neptune um so he is the or it is the messenger it's the relayer you know and it brings the the message from down below to the top so it seems very a, a very potent period um for mercury to be disseminating something that is of great importance to a, a bigger cycle that is underway
1: yeah and and i think that it can, it can be, um, sort of like a dualistic way of, of experiencing it. Like on one hand, you might be feeling like really tapped in to your spiritual percept receptors and feeling really aligned and part of something bigger than you and divining messages and the synchronistic dreams, but also you might just be sleepy and feel foggy. Truth. Truth.
0: <laughs> That's it's true because it's like when I make jokes like you know you know whenever Mercury is conjuncting Neptune or square especially squaring or posing it is like it's an own mini Mercury retrograde <laughs> in a yes. sense it's like it's not re- retrograde you know it's just it has that feeling of like oh I I miss this or or my mind's a little foggy or I'm just caught in a daydream Um, and. And there just can be, you know, another thing too, is like, I think about Mercury going from Jupiter to Neptune and Jupiter is like, yes, say yes to this. This I'm optimistic about this. Oh my God. Imagine what this would be if it manifests like this. And you get to Neptune you're like, oh my God, that's overwhelming. I'm having doubts. Can I, can I do this? Did I look at it right? Am I missing something? You know, like there's, that's another thing too. When we talk about the mutable energy, it's like, you can be really hopeful and over like, optimistic about something, but there is that potential for like, just overwhelm and like, I don't know if I can do it. Is, is this, you know, is it within me? And maybe I'll talk myself out of it, (laughs) you know, type of thing too. So that's something to watch for. And, And, you know, me in the middle with that, like stay in the optimism, try not to be overly optimistic to where, you know, you get a little delusional about it, but also don't fully talk yourself out of something that's positive for you in the, in the long run.
1: Absolutely. And sort of between those two aspects of Mercury to Jupiter and Neptune, we have the Mars square to Uranus happening. So that I feel like is going to give us the energetic nudge to say yes and take more risks. Um, but yeah, one thing I, I love about, um, Mars coming in to sort of antagonize, (laughs) sort of antagonize the Uranus and Taurus. I feel like, you know, we, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about like where the, this square is between Saturn and Uranus. And I think that Mars is here to sort of give us that nudge, like fixed signs always need that extra nudge to do the big, brave thing that you've been thinking about doing for a long time and so, yeah, Mars coming in to square Uranus and ruling this new Aries season, I think people are going to be in the mood to, to take some chances and just do the thing.
0: Yeah. And, and it's like, and the, like you said, like a lot of times this thing's a long time coming, especially a Mars backed by Saturn. It's like, you know, it's it, whatever Saturn's agenda is. And we know that Saturn has an agenda. It, like, oh like yeah. there's there, Saturn has been implanting its agenda for quite some time now here in Aquarius and in, in even in Capricorn, as we all know, when we think about the last couple of years, um, but it, it there is something to be said about, yeah, just that activation taking place and that tension and that friction. I think we start to feel... And it could be definitely in like a, in a in a mental place, and like more of like a even in an anxiety place where it's almost like we have to move, we have to do something because if we don't, then there is that your Uranian energy that starts to swirl within you, and it's just unsettling. And so a lot of times we're spurred into action, especially things that we've been sitting on our laurels on for a long time, uh, because it's just there's a discomfort that comes with that. And so the only way to you know dispel that is basically to move. And that's a great thing about Aries is it wants to move forward. It's all about new beginnings and instigating what's next. Um, and it's fascinating to me that as Mars is squaring Uranus as we have, you know, Jupiter and Mercury and Neptune all doing their thing, we got this, you know, Scorpio moon rolling around on the 21st on Monday. It's like first thing on Monday, it's like, oh, let's have the moon create a T-square with Mars and Uranus. Definitely look to the news cycle. (laughs) I have a feeling we're going to see a lot going on, um, you know, erupting from what, well, don't look at the news cycle if it's going (laughs) to disrupt you, you know. Uh, But what I'm saying is I think that's going to be a pretty active Monday, uh, to some extent.
1: Agreed. Yeah. Mars square Uranus can definitely, it can be volatile. It can be disruptive. And often I, th- I do think about it as, as the glass shattering and saying just, Hey, mm-hmm. pay attention. I think of the anarchist, right. Um, just like, causing a scene to draw attention to something or to release frustration, to release the energy. But you know, Mars in Aquarius is cool and calculated. So I think like you were saying backed by Saturn and we were talking before the show. Yeah. Saturn, we know what Saturn is doing in our charts at this point. So Saturn, So Mars in Aquarius is cool. It's calculated. It has a level head. It's ready to take that risk. It makes sense to take the risk. It makes sense to do something to move the energy or to take that Saturn in a new direction. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, a lot of times all we need,
0: and this is a very Uranian word, is a catalyst. There needs to be a catalytic moment, a cat, you know, it could be inside, it could be something outside or a message that comes in that spurs the action to take place. Um, but all you need is that moment of the catalyst that it just creates creates the action and starts to stir the pot. Um, and so, yeah, I'm. It's yeah, it can be very volatile. Anything with Uranus and Mars together can be very volatile. But I think, yeah, backed by that Saturn, um, this is not new news. <laughs> uh, it's more of just like a catalytic activation taking place, which, you know, I'm down for, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready for it. Um, and, you know, so what's interesting within this is that, We're at a point in the lunar cycle where we're starting the seasons off like right after a full moon, basically, and the beginning of the seasons uh, lead us to a last quarter. So essentially... In the leading up to we have a last quarter in Capricorn at four degrees of Capricorn uh, on Thursday, March 24th. And so this is really right after, you know, we have Mercury Jupiter doing its thing. We have Mars squaring Uranus with Scorpio moon activating that. Um, we have Mercury conjunct Neptune, uh, while also making a sextile to the North node. Um, so that there's something, there's a little extra juice coming in with the Mercury Neptune North node component that is, you know, leading us to this last quarter space. So I don't know, Catherine, if you had anything to say on, on just this being the first kind of nodal activation, even though it's a soft one and it can be kind of whisper through, you know, um, if there, if you had
1: any thoughts on, on that at all. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think one of the big ones is oil Neptune rules oil. So in terms of, of world trends, I think that that could be something that stands out about that. Um, it's, it's something, you know, we've seen prices sort of go up and down. I think with Venus being in a square to Uranus at the time that we're recording this, so Pisces, at the end of Pisces season, we're seeing kind of the fluctuations there. And so I think we might see more of that story. What I would love to see, as we were kind of alluding to, both of us, is with the North Node and Taurus, with Uranus and Taurus, I would like to see us move toward greener greener pastures, if you will. Um, but who knows? I mean, that Neptune sextile to the North node, I think we could potentially see that as a theme. Um, but also unity themes as well. Um, coming back together and, um, the compassion. I think that that's another thing that we're seeing really elevated in the world right now is, is compassion for our fellow, for our fellow humans. Yeah, that is, that is true. That is true. And the, in the message of compassion,
0: because everybody out there right now, I see people making buttons for, you know, like, and showing their, who, who they're backing and that there's support there. And so we're all feeling that, that Pisces this. I mean, that's essentially what Pisces is, is like, we are not, And it's interesting having Pisces backed up against Aries, which is all about, you know, not completely, but a lot about the self and, you know, the individual and who I, you know, who am I? And Pisces is like, who am I within the all of creation, you know, (laughs) within the web of consciousness? Um, And so it's interesting to have Aries energy start to come in, but we still have so much collective taking place with Pisces and Aquarius uh, going down. So we'll see. I mean, I would love that that to come out and there'd be some news stories about maybe some aid coming in with the, the oil situation and like prices, maybe there's going to be compassion for people's uh, wallets (laughs) and the needs of like, you know, it's, it's getting, it's getting to a point where we're going to create our own crisis um, within uh, spiking prices, um, that we're, 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 having crisis after crisis. Cause that's the thing with the Aries season is it bring, uh, like I said it before, and I'll say it again, a lot of times crisis comes to the, the forefront and what does Aries do? Aries jumps into the crisis, right? It has to, it wants to fix something or, or not fix it in the Virgo sense, but, <clears throat> It, it has up. to combat it. Yeah. It has to rise up from it. Something has to be done. Um, right. so it just makes me think, uh, you know, with mercury, especially in its debilitated state there, maybe there, you know, can be some help, you know, the sextile energy, uh, with that oil, or maybe new avenues open up. Cause I know they were talking about there's certain reserves that have not been, you know, negotiated before, you know, things that are over in, I think Iran and, um, you know, like the Saudi Peninsula and stuff. And that's a whole nother thing. But I'm just wondering if maybe around that time, there'll be something that, that comes to the fourth for that.
1: Some, something else I just wanted to say quickly about that third quarter moon at four degrees Capricorn, that degree recalls the eclipse on Christmas of 2019. And so if we're looking at lunar phase families, that's like the the turning point of that eclipse um, that solar eclipse that we had on Christmas, and that of course was the eclipse uh, season that led up to the pandemic. So it's interesting that we're entering into this sort of closing down third quarter phase. I'm going to remain hopeful. I'm hoping that <laughs> we, I'm hoping that we're sort of closing that down, but we'll see. But I just think that that's an interesting that really stuck out to me. So I just wanted to throw that in there as just like a um, a food for thought, but. Yeah. yeah. Should, should we talk about should we talk about Mercury um, with
0: Mercury? Well, the only thing I wanted to say that oh, I, yeah. I thought it was just setting up for the uh, for thinking about the last quarter moon and Capricorn and this kind of switching all the lunar um, quarters to cardinal now. And when, when Cardinal comes to the, you know, cause now we're going to have a last quarter in Capricorn, the new moon in, uh, Aries, the first quarter in cancer, the full moon in Libra, when you get quarters that are Cardinal activations, life be moving like that's things move. There is pro- progress there. We are not in the same space. Something is pushed forward. And so, um, you know, even thinking about what you just said with the, it being in that, uh, you know, the the last, the, is it the third activation of that lunar family from that eclipse back in 2020, the 2020, uh, huh or Um, 19,
1: uh, or 2025 2019,
0: 19. Yes. Right before. And we've so much has changed, um, (laughs) since that period. Uh, so that would be, that's something to look at, you know, because Cardinal is starting with. In a physical space, in a job space, in a home search space, in a, you know, speaking for myself, uh, you know, like something that is tangible reality that is starting new. So maybe you could look back to that point and see how much um, or what story, especially in Capricorn, has twisted and turned and now it's getting to this place of like almost final activation that is requiring some sort of starting point to reach a result or the end, in a sense, like you know, because sometimes we have to start to end. You know, it's not a news story, but it's the start of a you know the next chapter of something to get to a, an end result of yes. sorts. So, all right. So Mercury, uh, Mercury hangs out with Neptune, and then is just. I mean, it's cruising. It's going so fast. Mercury is on a mission, and it is ready to get into Aries. <laughs> Basically. Yes.
1: Yeah, Mercury is moving very fast. This is going to be the point where Mercury is sort of moving the fastest in its cycle. It's moving at about two degrees per day here, so Mercury is going to fly through Aries. We have about two weeks to take advantage of this transit.
0: <laughs> well, I mean that seems uh, seems perfect for Mercury and Aries just in general to like just fly through. I've only I've got a short time here. Um,
1: get to the yeah. point. Get to the <laughs>
0: point is right. Like there, there, the the Pisces will have burnt off by then. It'll, Neptune will like the, the fog of Neptune and whatever was going on in Neptune, the second that Mercury hits Aries on the March 27th on Sunday, uh we'll probably wake up Sunday morning and it'll just be like. Like the fog has burnt off. Everything is quicker. There's, you know, more fast acting decisions. There's just a more of outward, you know, doesn't have that mute of Pisces anymore. It's, it's going to say what it thinks. It is going to let everyone
1: know in the drop of a hat (laughs) what's going on. Mercury and Aries doesn't want to beat around the bush. And I think Mercury in Pisces is so beautiful and poetic and romantic, and it can create these parables and allegories. But Mercury in Aries is like, get to the point. Just say it. Just say it. Um, Quit wasting my time. And so it's just very direct, and it has just like a quickness to the tongue. yes. And and one,
0: it's interesting too, because I kind of glossed over it because, you know, Mercury and Pisces, um, <laughs> is the day before Mercury makes a sextile to Pluto. So, you know, but Mercury kind of t- touches in with those Plutonian, like, you know, get down to the root of it, the the, the integral piece of information, the the moon's on, uh, the moon is approaching uh, Pluto and sextiling Mercury uh, between that Saturday and Sunday, too, the 26th and the 27th. So it's almost like the last breath of Pisces gets this Plutonian energy that is then just carried into Aries with
1: the, all right, now it's time, you know, kind of thing. You know, why I like that though is because Mercury was spent the retrograde sort of hanging out with Pluto and mm. it's stationed direct in that conjunction to Pluto. And I feel like the beginning of the year, we've all been doing these like intensive, Contemplations, you know, be it with the Venus retrograde and Pluto, and the Mercury retrograde with Pluto. Like we've been making some intense decisions after doing some deep dive soul investigation about what it is that we really want. And so I think that that Mercury sextiling Pluto is just going to be like a check in and be like, all right, are we still good? Are we still good? Are we? How are we doing? And then when Mercury um, dives into Aries, it's like, all right, let's just let's just go for it. I think. Um, when Mercury enters Aries, um, I, I like Mercury and cardinal signs. Cause I feel like I come up with new ideas
0: mm. yeah. and it's easy
1: to sort of set those into motion.
0: Yeah. There's no, there's no beating around the bush, as you said <laughs> there, you know, Aries is ready to go. And so it's cardinal, you know, it doesn't, doesn't like to sit any place for, for too long. Like it wants to keep the wheel must be moving. Um, and I love that point of like Mercury stationing direct on Pluto because this is essentially that opening aspect to Mercury and Pluto uh, cycle. So you know, definitely go back and look at what what was what was on your brain uh, around February 3rd, uh, give or take some days, you know obviously because it was a slow station. So really the end of J- uh, January through the first uh, probably ten days of, um, February, just revisit that in your mind. And there could be, you know, some sort of forward, uh, just something that you're working towards within that. Cause that's the beauty of sextiles. It's like, you see the opening, you got to open the door. There's a little work that goes on with it. And then we carried into the activation that is mercury in aries um and so we know that mercury is getting rather close to the sun there uh but not quite yet we're we're not quite there yet but it will be coming soon which will be mercury's next move basically yeah so um now another big thing that's going on around that time is uh venus over here in aquarius is inching up to old Saturn. She's about to make her own moves. Um, and keep in mind, you know, this is, the, this is the last quarter phase. We are getting down to the darkest point of the lunar cycle. You know, we're in this balsamic uh sort of period, or at least uh, we dance in between the last quarter to the balsamic. So things are closing down um in a lunar sense. And we have uh Venus who's finally getting to the place where she's going to break. This, uh, you know, this uh, enclosure that she's had with Mars and Saturn. So, on um, the 28th on Monday, we have her meeting uh, with Saturn here, and then she's basically going to go on to square the nodes on the 30th. So she kind of makes two big. I mean, obviously, Venus Saturn is big, but it's interesting the you
1: know, the, the setup here. So what do you, what do you think about that, Catherine? Gosh, I'm so excited about that transit, (laughs) mostly because it means that Venus will be done being besieged, which will be great, (laughs) great news for all of us. So I think on a personal level, like you said, we're in, we're in a period of the month where we're kind of closing things down and it feels like she's finishing up a story. So thinking about Venus in terms of relationships and finances, I think that Saturn is going to help make certain um, things that have been sort of in the in the cloud of what-ifs so much more certain. Saturn in Aquarius is going to bring so much clarity to whatever the story is. So however you had that experience of feeling like you were in a rock in a hard place and you need to do something about it, it's like Mars has sort of been pushing venus into saturn's corner and so i think that is a time of definite decision making and like if you've if you've had a big question mark about something financial or relationship oriented that saturn is going to bring answers whether you like it or not that's that's the saturn for you but i think um i think one way that that Venus has been kind of showing up between Mars and Saturn has been not just the sanctions on Russia and how that has sort of affected the world economy. But, you know, a lot of people here in the U S have been worried about inflation. So I I don't know. I mean, Venus will get away from Saturn get into Pisces. That's a whole other story, but I think that there's something that we're breaking free from here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's like the final, the final barrier to some extent, not fine. We always have barriers. It's not like we just open into a land of like everything's, you know, (laughs) but there's something to be said about her finally reaching Saturn because, you know, think about it with just the journey that she's been on really since that, um, since November uh, and the eclipses and going through a retrograde on Pluto and all the time, all this time she's been backed by Saturn. So she's been pushing Saturn's mission for a very long time and, and yeah. sent us backwards on it, sent us through Pluto, eclipsed us on it. You know, there has been a lot going on with Venus backed by Saturn. So meeting, finally meeting the per, the person who's been giving the orders, you know, behind the scenes, essentially it's like she finally fuses and, and solidifies and concretizes in some way. Uh, to turn the page on whatever all that lead up was, and then to slowly move away from both Saturn and Mars. And so I feel you, it's like a, it's a hallelujah kind of moment. Um, and But it, it has much of a bigger context, I think, than just her being with Mars and Saturn, just because... Sat- She's been doing Saturn for so long. And then to put the bending of the nodes into it, because this is a precursor, right? You know, uh, Venus, I mean, Mercury's already uh, in the sun, have already made their square with the nodes now in Taurus and Scorpio. Uh, but Venus being so close to Saturn is, this one's very interesting because, you um, this is leading us up to basically Saturn squaring the nodes, which we're going to be talking about. Uh, so there's a little precursor there. But if talk about being at, you know, getting the message, uh, like make like you said, making a, a very c- finite decision yeah. and then hitting the crossroads of, you know, fate <laughs> to some extent. She's. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, I didn't. No, mean to touch I that. I I like to lead up with a, a <laughs> word that doesn't
1: sound like I'd be leading you. Into <laughs> well, the nodes are a crossroads, right? So yeah. she, there is like it's like Saturn. Want I always like to say that Saturn wants you to make a decision and make it the right decision. So you could you could be sort of ruminating all you want, but Saturn's like you now. You need to choose, and how appropriate with with the square to the lunar nodes and she's at she's at the the bending of the nodes where she's going to start to go up. So it's like Venus has been stuck between a rock and a hard place, but now it's about that she's about to go through this upswing ideally, but we have to make a choice. We have to make a choice. So there's going to be choices in relationships. And you know, Venus conjunct Saturn on a on a humanistic sort of relationship front I, I, I always appreciate this transit because it will always show me where I could do better in my, Mm -hmm. as a partner or as a friend. So I think that Venus's conjunction with Saturn helps us to kind of own up to how we're, how we're showing up. And, um, sort of highlights where there's any issues, whether that's within ourselves or within the dynamic, or, you know, we could point fingers too. Right. But, um, (laughs) I think, I think it kind of highlights, Hey, these are, these are the issues. Now, what do you do about it? Are you going to keep sort of pretending? like Venus? I think Venus and Saturn, they get along in Libra. Um, and so I think that these two planets, they share that desire to build something long-term together. So when Venus can join Saturn here, we have a choice. How, how can we improve this dynamic and what are we going to do about it? Absolutely. Yeah. Cause they're, they're friends. They're not foes. They work they work together.
0: Um, you know, that's the thing when we think about relationship and being in one, especially if you've been in one for a long time, you know, there's you get to the point where there's always something that you have to uh, w- work within to keep the relationship you know, happy and on both ends, you know, like to, to grow the bond further, you know, to deepen it in some sense to come together in a union, um, with new values, right. Cause as you grow as people, uh, and, and this can be with yourself too. It doesn't even have to be within anybody else here. Cause Venus definitely does happen to what we value or attracted to in life. Um, coming to this now, like Saturn's like, well, ask yourself that what is, I'm always preaching this, but once once again, I'm going to say it, ask yourself that. What do I value? What do I value in this partnership? What do we value together? Are we making decisions from a place of what it is we value and that we want to create, you know, cause Aquarius is a very, uh, futuristic driven, you know, the, like another type visionary, much like Pisces, but in a different way, um, because it's looking ahead as to what's to come. So, you know, when you're looking ahead and you're making these decisions and you're deciding to deepen a union in some way, you have to be on the same page and have the same values and have the same blueprint to which you are then building upon. Um, And then sometimes we have to communicate that. Sometimes we have to negotiate that. Maybe there's two sides and where do we meet in the middle with this? Or are we happy with that? And if we are, then we're turning the page together. And if we're not, sometimes we're turning the page apart. It just depends on the
1: person, the situation and, and the background story <laughs> to it all. Yeah. How can we level up this, this infrastructure here thinking Absolutely. about how we can strategize? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So, so, you know, there's good news
0: for Pisces on the horizon, but we'll save that for uh, <laughs> when, when she gets to Pisces. Um, yeah. So, I mean, this basically brings us into the new moon in Aries, uh, which is on Friday. It depends on where you are, technically, here in, on the Pacific Coast. It's like at 11.24 p.m. on March 31st, but it's on April 1st, uh, early in the morning on the East Coast. Um, so, you know, pick a day. Uh, April Fool's, it's a new moon in Aries. Um, and so we have this uh, moon. Sun, Mercury, Chiron, uh, all together there. The moon and sun are at 11 degrees and 30 minutes of Aries. So definitely if you have any planets around 11 degrees of cardinal signs um, or 11 degrees of anything <laughs> to, to some extent, um, you're going to be tapped in there. But uh, when you when you look at this new moon, especially with Mars and Saturn getting all close and chummy there in Aquarius, uh, what, what
1: comes to mind, Catherine? Mm-hmm. Gosh. Well, I just, I love that this new moon conjoins Chiron. I think that thinking about Aries, it really sort of highlights our story, our journey of personal development. And Chiron, I I feel like so many of us who practice astrology can relate to Chiron because Chiron was a master of divination, of herbalism, of healing, of a of astrology. And he trained some of the greatest fighters of that era of the ancient world. And so I feel like many of us who come to astrology are trying to figure out like Chiron, why am I different? Why am I the way that I am? And so I I like to joke to myself that Chiron had such vast knowledge because he was seeking to figure out why he was so different than every, all the other centaurs. And, um, so yeah, I think that Chiron really represents the healing journey, the, the journey to contextualize oneself as an individual within the context of the whole. Um, so I think that's how that's showing up in Aries. Yeah, ab- absolutely.
0: I can see that. Um, and just thinking about like when thinking about Chiron and Aries, just in in all the activations it has, it, it's interesting because there's an advocacy type of position that comes up. I feel like within this um, too, with the, the wound, the, the idea of, you know, we think about the old catchphrase of Chiron being the wounded healer and, you know, this, this trigger that comes up or what's, what's the wound that we're trying to get beyond or learn from, or we have the wisdom to, you know, cause we all have our hurdles in life. And to me, Chiron has that kind of hurdle energy and that means diff, that can be a different thing for different people, you know, what your actual trigger is. But having it in Aries, um, it makes me think about like right assertion, um, and where where you are when you're asserting yourself, where you are with aggression. Um, when are do you need to assert yourself, and you're not asserting yourself, and and you know better, or you know, or when is aggression uh, just inflaming something and get in create making a bigger wound than it needs to be for uh, you know not only yourself, but others, but then, but you you know, you, you drink the poison more than anybody else. If you're holding on to whatever it is, that is, you know, I'm just thinking about the Libra square, Libra full moon square Pluto coming up. And we think about like holding resentment and blame and things along those lines um, and everything kind of being seated in this moment. So it, it just makes me think about, just the Aries component of, you know, how how you show up and your motivations and your actions and how you assert yourself and how where your aggressions are and when they need to be dialed back and when they need to be dialed up and having the wisdom to know either way which you know, like where that level for you lies. But that's just one of the things that I've been thinking about with Chiron and Aries.
1: Yeah. I, I think too. I mean, that definitely makes sense too with Mars, um, you know, ruling this lunation and bumping up against Saturn, which can sometimes (laughs) tell us to chill out. But I think too, that it can be sort of that inner experience of where we fall short. And I say inner experience of where we fall short because very often we're more, we're more hard on ourselves, but Chiron I feel, wants us to remember how far we've come. So even though you may have this experience of being hindered or held back, be it external circumstances or inner inner conditioning or the way that we're just sort of wired to think or or act, um, Chiron in Aries wants us to celebrate our story and celebrate the victories that we have experienced despite our setbacks.
0: Mm, I love that. It, and to me, it brings up the idea of the wounded identity, you know, because we all have it somewhere, you know, no one's walking around, you know, like <laughs> thinking that, oh, I'm perfect like this. And I'm like, everybody has some sort of like uh, insecurity about themselves somewhere somewhere. Um, or where you know, like we all ha- and we all have our own judgments about ourselves to some extent. You know, I think about Mars and Saturn together, um, and a lot of times that plays out with other people. We see that in other people, and we're like point across the way. Like, did we just <laughs> we see that because we see it in ourselves? And it's just a, I don't know. I'm really snowballing here off something, but the idea of like wounded identity, um, and where we might be like harsh on ourselves when we should be celebrating just how far we've come or like the person that we have grown to be up until this point and, and who, who we've, uh, you know, what we've made of ourselves, um, and not like try to pick it apart of like what, what we haven't conquered yet or what we haven't done yet. But this is what, like you said, what I've, what I've been victorious over or what I've won or like, oh, you know, look, I made it this far, (laughs) you know, type of thing.
1: Yeah. And it could also be accountability too with that Mars, even though some people might experience it as inhibition with Saturn or the, the theme of inhibition, but it could also be responsibility. Like, I owe this to myself. I owe this to myself to keep going, or I owe it to myself to take these steps. And the other thing I'd throw in here is that this is when Aries season can really begin because we have this new moon in Aries. So if you weren't feeling it, if you were sort of feeling the Mercurial, Jupiter, Neptune fog and feeling sleepy and everything, very often this is the new moon that will kickstart us. Absolutely. It is. It's the, it's the
0: breath of fresh lunar air <laughs> or fire, as I guess we'd say that, uh, you know, kind of sparks it all, sparks it all off. And, um, yeah, that, that makes a, a lot of sense. I love that you brought up the, the, the responsibilities that we have to ourselves, um and the responsibility that we have to the world, you know, we have Mars and Saturn and Aquarius here. and I am always talking about we they, we say it takes a village, but it also takes the individual and in within the village to be a part of the village and and do, you know the right thing and, and be responsible for oneself in in the wider world and the community and what, you know, when I, of course, in my mind, I just think about earth issues and like making sure that I'm recycling proper properly or I'm buying from the right companies or I'm using my money. You know, like I think about those individual responsibilities that uh, set up, uh, you know, uh, the world that we want to live in or the world that we're trying to evolve into um, by taking that personal responsibility. So we have the responsibilities to ourselves because we owe ourselves this in our private stories, uh, you know, to show up for ourselves there. But I think, I feel like we also have an individual role where we owe it to the all of community and and all of the world where, um, if we are, you know, I don't want to say evolved individuals, it sounds like too much pressure, but, (laughs) but you know what I mean? Like aware enough to know our impact or the impact that we can make um, if we choose to do, you know, the little things, et cetera. But yeah, yeah, yeah. no pressure, everyone. Just <laughs> be that ultimate human being. Um, now, another thing we have to state at this point with this new moon, because the new moon is locking in, uh, you know, at least that 20, 28, 29 day cycle. But look at old Saturn at 22 degrees of Aquarius. Just it's it, it's in one degree of the North Node um, there, and so that's not going to be for a, a, a little little while longer. It's going to be on the 11th. It's just uh, you know 10 days away, but Saturn—that's a slow mover. We're feeling it. So I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna preempt you there early. Well, let's just talk about okay. I just want to set up the idea of this new moon happening 31st first depending on where you are Thursday Friday etc and basically we have the signature of Saturn and Mars um, Mars is going to conjunct Saturn on the April 4th on that Monday um, and then it's going to and then basically uh, Mars at that time is going to square the nodes. Um, just what, like a day, the next day on the fifth, mm-hmm. on Tuesday, and then Saturn will get there on the 11th of April. So, I mean, Catherine, what do you think about a Mars and Saturn meeting in a new cycle just in general? And the fact that it squares the nodes at
1: the same time, it
0: seems interesting.
1: <laughs> it does. It does. It does. So this is a two-year cycle. So this is going to take us back to early 2020. We all know what that represents for us collectively. So there's going to be something sort of concluding and something else sort of beginning. However, Saturn is still in Aquarius. So there's still sort of the mindfulness socially that will, um, but it's just going to likely change form a little bit. Now, in in a square too but there's another theme i really want to bring in here with saturn and mars squaring the nodes because there's a huge um conversation coming in to the collective right now and it's starting to get a little bit more fiery and that's around working from home the right to work from home and you know melissa you and i we both work from home so we're we're fortunate there but there's a huge section of the, of the population. That's like, no, I don't, we're not going back. And I, I just saw something. Um, I forget which exact, which firm it was, but it was like a hedge fund. And they're like, everyone needs to come back to work. And only a third of them showed up. So I think, especially being in the sign of Aquarius, I'm inclined to think unions. I'm inclined to think workers' rights and infrastructure, the infrastructure of how we work, Mars. I think that Mars can represent the worker. Saturn can represent the CEO or the boss. Mm. And so I think there's going to definitely be some friction there. I think, um, people who are running companies don't want their, their expensive buildings that they've paid for and leased out to go to waste. And so they, they want Like someone, I saw a tweet recently and it just boggled my mind. Like what would New York city, what would be the point of all those buildings? If everyone just worked from home. That's right. (laughs) It makes you think, I I mean, with the nodes and with the theme that we're going to be seeing throughout the rest of the year of Saturn and Uranus with the nodes, I, and the eclipses, I, I just think that the structure, the infrastructure of how we work as a collective is going to be under scrutiny. And I think that we're going to see it really start to culminate here in a big way at the beginning of April. Mm, I think, I think you're absolutely right about that. I just saw a headline on vice a couple of days ago, like they
0: were saying, well, you know, bummer every time to go back to time to go back to work. Um, and it is interesting. And this is, this is where we get this square energy of Saturn and Uranus because we, you know, we think of 2021 being the Saturn Uranus square. Well, yeah, this year is it's hot because we basically have uh, the nodes activating the Saturn Uranus square, even though they're not, it's not going to perfect again um, since last year. And then I find it very interesting that Mars is conjunct both Saturn and going to conjunct Uranus at the same time that these heavyweights contact the node. So Mars has an agenda. It has, it's pushing, you know, some some sort of mission there. And so it, it's really something to bring up when we're talking about Saturn and Aquarius and the structure of society itself. Because yeah, like that, like that meme says, it's like, what if, what would all those buildings be if people were working from home? Um, and of course, there's the social aspect of it. You know, people, a lot of people need to be around other people. Some people don't. You know, like people are like, I need to. I'd rather work from home. I can save the gas money. I can save the trip. I can save time. Uh, versus other people that might want that social interaction. We think about the, you know, it's not something I talk about a lot, but it is something that I think about is like the population and the the numbers of people on the planet. Uh, And we think about room for everyone and room for wildlife and room for native room, you know, and you think this is just a, I'm just shooting from the hip here. But like, imagine if all those office buildings Not all of them, but, you know, a portion of them were gone and there was a big, you know, team of people that could work from their their homes. You think about like the housing crisis and like especially here in California, like imagine if you took some of the like some good sections of commercial property that just didn't need people there anymore. Think about how many houses that you could build that could solve, a, you know, the a housing crisis within getting rid of commercial space that just isn't needed anymore because we have the technological advancements to be able to work from home. We just didn't
1: have that option
0: before. And Absolutely. So it's interesting.
1: Absolutely. And I think unions, too. I think, um, you know, especially we're seeing The theme around, we saw like a Starbucks, like a Starbucks unionize, and there's been pushes amongst Amazon workers to unionize. I think there's going to be huge themes there because unions bring can, can in most cases, or ideally, you know, increase benefits and wages. And so, yeah, I think that we're, and with Venus having been involved there um, in Aquarius too, I think that's going to be a big theme that we're seeing.
0: Absolutely. And it's, it's so interesting when, um, Venus was retrograde and retrograde on Pluto, you know, what we were having here in, uh, in San Diego, we were having a sanitation worker strike. So none of the trash was getting picked up. Like if that's not Venus, Pluto,
1: oh, <laughs> Capricorn, gosh.
0: it was like, they were striking because they wanted, you know, to like increases, they wanted, you know, kind of union like benefits or just to up their position within um, you know, the, the work and what they're doing. And like, that's, so there's going to be a lot of pressure around that. And like you said, this is a two year cycle. So this isn't just like a Mars drive by and then, okay, we've done that. No, this is something that sets up, for a, a few years for that to be expanded upon. And I think the lead up to that, because when we think about Mars Saturn cycles, um, and the one that happened in 2020, it was at zero degrees of Aquarius on the Jupiter Saturn conjunction. So, uh, before it happened, so it had a precursor, uh, energy of, you know, this, look all this Aquarius that we're, we are just deeply embedded in now. So, um, this will be an interesting two years uh, of to see where all of this is going to go. You know, workers' rights, you know, it's, uh, the working from home, just setting the, the community structure and, and where we're putting our energy to uh, continue uh, structuring at a community that is really like, you know, all, all of our communities are kind of falling apart in one way or the other. You know, when we think about the, the workforce, when we think about the, the infrastructure itself, you know, it's a big thing it's here in America. It's like uh, the roads are falling apart. This is, <laughs> these are falling apart. And so Saturn getting activated, Mars, and then later in uh, July, late July or August, we have Uranus and Mars meeting, too. There could be some themes that are just carried over that we're going to see now that are going to, like, play out in the mid of... Um, summer too, but, uh, it's, yeah, it's Absolutely. fascinating. The whole bit, the whole setup's fascinating to me.
1: Yeah. And I, I think the other one, I would, the other big one that comes to mind with Saturn scoring the nodes is borders and boundaries mm. and, and thinking about, you know, what's happening in Europe right now and the, the different shifting of alliances that are happening, different countries wanting to join the um, NATO or yeah. European union and that sort of thing. And I think Saturn and Aquarius can really speaks to the structure and, and with the nodes, it's happening in a, in a very macrocosmic way, sort of like destined sort of way. So it's interesting to think about how Saturn could sort of be reshaping how, how like the boundaries on the continent, so to speak. Absolutely,
0: and you know, since we're 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 not going quite with our exact timeline, but it, it's I think it's important to kind of state at this time too. How it's just interesting that Jupiter and Pisces is creating a sextile with the nodes um, at, at the same time, uh, basically as it gets close to the Jupiter uh, Neptune uh, conjunction, so. It's interesting that we have this square, this push from Saturn, get the push from Mars, but we also have this Jupiter, the Jupiter Neptune component that's trying to work with it as, as well at the simultaneously. It's, it's, um. So it's not all it's not all square. Uh, there there is a just a forward moving agenda that that seems to be like we were talking about before, like has more compassion, has more uh, you know there's a humanitarian approach or there's welfare uh, along with it. like let's do the right thing. We got to move in the right direction so we like we care for people in the populace and we're willing to give more of a hand, um, rather than just the cold, harsh, like the way we've been doing things before. So I don't know. I feel like that bodes well, a little bit in the story of like adding a human, human component to what's happening.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I I'm thrilled about this, um, Jupiter Neptune conjunction. I mean, these, these two are really big themes that we're going to be working with for, a long time here. So, um, did you did you wanna jump into that? I we... <laughs>
0: well, let's wait a couple of days there. Okay. I just wanted okay. to point out that Jupiter is basically sextiling the North Node the same time that Saturn's squaring it. Mm-hmm. So, okay. uh, we had we have the tension of the constriction, but we also have the opportunity of the expansion um, that comes with it simultaneously. Yeah. And,
1: and you mentioned the constriction of Saturn, and I think Mars can make a choice because. Saturn is like laying down the law. Like this is how things are going to be. This is, the way things are. And, you know, Mars has the opportunity to make a decision there. Mars is also square the nodes making a choice. And so Mars can either adhere to what Saturn is imposing or Mars is peregrine. Mars can say, okay, see ya. So I think that's what a lot of people are doing like with the great resignation and stuff like that too. So I think we'll see another wave of it perhaps if, if, because people have had the freedom of working from home. Not everyone wants to go back. Like you said, some people do but we'll have to see. Yeah. So, so
0: that was kind of like a bigger precursor of talking about like all the energy that's leading up to the full moon, um, with Saturn and Mars, uh, and even Jupiter and Neptune there, but now we're going to go, we're going to pull back to our micro we're pulling back to our micro again. Um, now that we got a little bit of a macro (laughs) situation going on because we can't, we we can't skip over the Kazemi of the Sun and and Mercury there. No, um, we cannot. No, we cannot. <laughs> they would. The Sun would not allow that. Neither would Mercury. Heck no. Uh, heck no, no. So that's going to happen on April second, literally the next day after the new moon there. Um, and yeah, so at thirteen degrees, I, I think. Oh, did I? It took me somewhere totally different. where where I am, 13 degrees and 11 minutes of Aries. We have the exterior conjunction.
1: Beautiful. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. (laughs) Beautiful. Yeah, I feel like kind of on theme with what we were describing about Mercury and Aries, I think there's going to be just like sharp realizations where like no more effing around. Like we know what it is. Like we're getting sort of the confirmation. I always... I always like to sort of intentionally tap into Mercury Kazimis where I sort of intentionally unplug and unbusy myself so I can be more receptive and sort Mm. of just more engaged with the world around me and my interaction with the world around me, because the insights do come in and sometimes they will come in within that window of the exact casini, me. But I find that sometimes they come in a little bit later too. They sort of trickle in, but you can definitely be on the lookout for those ahas and that sort of confirmation from the universe that like, yes, you're on the right path or, why don't you try this like I find that the Venus Kazimis are really helpful in terms of messages absolutely and and and
0: because this is the exterior or the superior um Kazimi you know you might want to look back to later in uh, I think it was about January twenty third i'm I'm guessing right here but I think that was the the uh, the um retrograde Kazimi because um, a lot of times the superior one is going to bring you some sort of resolve or some sort of insight that comes from the set the, you know the setup that happened uh, during the retrograde conjunction. So there could be a continuing theme where maybe you were chewing something over at that time or something got set in motion and now you're like, oh, I get it. Or, oh, this is the next piece of information or, oh, I've been waiting for this correspondence and now it's coming in and I can move to the next. You know, like it's just gonna bring us to the next thing. And like what Catherine is saying, it's very insightful. Like I love Mercury sun conjunctions just because you, they're just a lot can be happening, you know, like Mercury is busy. So throw the sun there too. You know, this is when all the emails come in or you're sending out the correspondence or all those little links and those missing parts sort of converge. And then we're on, you know, we're on the path. Um, When I think of Aries, I think about like being in motion. Like if you're like doing the dishes or you're, you're taking a run or you're driving to do some chores. It's like being in motion might be the place where the insights come in more so than the kind of the Piscean, like, let me sit back and meditate on it. It's like, no, when you are active and you're like, ah, it's like the the chi is flowing and
1: and Mercury is like, here's the message. (laughs) Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. I completely agree. And yeah, I think Mercury can be, Mercury's Kazimian Aries can be a message that lights a fire. So whether that's a Mm. fire of inspiration or encouragement or something that excites you, I think that that's something to watch out for. And another thing too, is that be ready because you could be a conduit of someone else's Mercury Kazemi. I think this Mercury Kazemi in Aries, we're going to get the best qualities of Mercury in Aries. So we're going to sort of buffer the edges of it a little bit. This could be a time for really honest communication where you need to say something important. You need to say something impactful. This is, this is a good opportunity here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and
0: it's interesting just to say, just to preface, I we can't go into it too much, but just because we kind of set it up before with uh, Chiron um, and in Aries, there is, is basically Mercury makes that conjunction, um, you know, it's the sun the sun makes the conjunction to Chiron and then Mercury makes the conjunction to Chiron and then Mercury and the sun conjunct. I probably should have set it up like that before, but there is this Chironic, uh, you know, energy that is seated right before it too. But I think we covered a lot of that in that new moon kind of portion, but just add to it even more. Like just think about that chain of events, you know, new moon, sun conjunct Chiron, Mercury conjunct Chiron, Mercury conjunct the sun, you know, like that, it's just this chain of events within, you know, a 24, uh, 36 hour period that, um, just kind of ramps up into, into what that story could look like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let us move on to something super exciting. Happens to be the same day that Mars squares the nodes, but hey, what have you? (laughs) Is that is Venus is moving into Pisces? Ooh la la. I know. April 5th, Tuesday. We probably wake up and we have then all of a sudden we're like, oh relationships just got, no, (laughs) I don't know. I'm excited for Venus moving in. She's my time Lord right now. Me too. Yeah. yeah, You too. We're probably both counting down the days. We're like, would you get away from Saturn? Can you just get into Pisces already? Um, and so, I mean, it's something to look forward to. What, what are you thinking about, uh, Venus and Pisces here?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, speaking as someone who's in a long-term relationship, I feel like, and I know you are too, like Venus and Aquarius. I kind of like get nerdy and I kind of get in my own thing. And like my husband and I might, when we connect, it might be like more up here, you know, like planning and stuff. But I think Venus and Pisces is more magic, it's enchanting, it's romantic. And so that's that's what we need too in the love department. We need that sort of um dreaminess that. Um, the the magical enchantment, if you will. So I think Venus and Pisces is a good time to create intentional space together, whether Mm -hmm. that is planning a trip, a little magical getaway, doing something romantic. Um, So yeah, I I think Venus too is a planet that really um, has respect for the arts. And so Venus and Pisces is just a beautiful amplifier for being able to kind of tap into the messages of music and movies and things that things that have the or mediums that have the power to move us.
0: Mm. Mm, I love that. Yeah. She's uh, she gets she gets immersed. You know, she's she's not trying to do her own thing. She doesn't need as much space. Mm-mm. You know, she's like, she's like, I kind. She looks over. She ingresses into Pisces. She looks over and she's like, I kind of missed you. Wanna, yes, you want to cuddle on the couch? You want to you want to cuddle and watch a movie? You want to just connect and like and you know, in yeah. easy in an easy way? You want to just make this easy? You know, like it's just they it just wants to merge. You know, that's what Pisces is wants, anyways. It's like, what can I merge with? Uh, you know, and now Venus is on that page. She's like, wow, it's been a. It's been a rough few months, hasn't it? Uh, let us let us come back together. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm we're talking from a long term relationship space, but I mean, that's it with anything. It's like even if you're even if you're out there in in the dating pool, you know, uh, yes. Venus and Pisces is going to be a lot. Uh, it's probably going to be a lot easier to just connect or or kind of get that emotional connection or just have easier like being willing to you know just. I don't know. It's not Saturn. It's not backed by Saturn is what it's got. It's it's backed by a a domiciled Jupiter who's ready to party with Neptune.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting because even though it's still Aries season, there's going to be this huge sort of beautiful influx of Pisces energies coming in as we get through the rest of the season. And yeah, Venus in Pisces wants to be close. I think the Pisces energy is just kind of open arms and Unafraid to be mushy, unafraid to open one's heart or bear one's soul. And there's, and again, a great deal of compassion. I think for Venus being exalted in Pisces, it's easy to fall in love when there's so much forgiveness. There's so much space yeah. and and ability to sort of like honor um people's humanity, so to speak. So, being able to sort of recognize the preciousness of, of being human and being challenged in various different ways. And Venus in Pisces says, you know what? I still love you. I I love you for your soul. That's right. Yes, that's right. That's why I
0: love Venus and Pisces. I mean, it is my fifth house too. So I'm very partial just in case you're wondering, <laughs> um, you know, but I, and I think as water people are going to love it too, because it's like, you know, like getting Venus out of airy and earthy and Saturn. And it's like, no, I just, I just want to cuddle. I want to connect. I just want to tell you, I love you. Have, have you, you know, uh, I just want to tell you, I love you. And that's, and that's to anybody, anybody in your life, any relationship, anyone, it's any, anyone the I love you is probably going to, you know, they're going to be doing the rounds is what's going to happen. It's, it's more heartfelt. Yeah. It's more heartfelt. And it's more, like you said, it's more forgiving. And, um, and we might need that after
1: Mars, Saturn territory. <laughs> For sure. It's like, it's like the Mars, Saturn, Venus is like look at what's happening here. (laughs) And then Venus is Venus gets into Pisces and it's like, all right, we made it, we made it through the challenge and it's all love here. Um, but yeah, I love what you were saying to Mel about, you know, if, if you're single and you're looking for love, I know so many people, um, who I, who I consult with, who I know in my personal life, like a lot of people have felt that inhibition of, of dating based on what's been happening in the world. And, um, maybe other factors too. But I think if you're looking to open up and meet someone, Venus in Pisces is going to be a really good time to do that, especially as that with that Jupiter-Neptune conjunction that we're inching closer to. Absolutely. And I have
0: to say only because there is a a mama bird feeding a baby bird in my feeder right now and and it's all cheeping and like so it you know Venus is very fertile <laughs> in, Pi- in Pisces especially backed by Jupiter <laughs> and Neptune there. So I think the little baby bird is telling me it's like oh for anybody that's just trying such things or who's not trying such things um, there's there's a fertile nature of Venus coming into Pisces too uh, it says re- the baby bird.
1: <laughs> it reminds me of like the Disney movies too with just like the birds following along around the princess like there's just like that like sort of like ethereal, sort of enchanting magical realm of of Venus and Pisces too. Um yeah, I think Venus and Pisces can be a hopeless romantic too. So yes. Don't be, don't be afraid to let your guard down with Venus and Pisces is all, is all we're trying to say. Yes. She's, she's okay with being vulnerable. She'll be a little vulnerable. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I'm
0: looking forward to it. So, uh, that being said, so we're basically cruising along, um, just going to say that on the April 7th, uh, Mercury, who's already done its thing, we've done talking about Mercury doing its thing with the sun. And then the next move that it makes is basically, um, and the moon is helping facilitate this too on uh, da, 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 April 6th, April 6th and 7th here, is that Mercury is going to sextile into that Mars, Saturn situation. Uh, And the moon's going to light that up too. So a lot of the, the, you know, the Mars Saturn energy that we were talking about earlier and the decisions and, and reaching this new point of like motivation around uh, a goal that we might be working towards there, you know, Mercury's helping to tap that in, give that new excitement, that inspiration, The, the moon in Gemini has full of ideas like, Oh, I see it like this, or it could be like this or like that. And so I feel like April 6th, Wednesday, the 6th and Thursday, the 7th can be very
1: heady, but in a good way of like, yes. Yeah. Quick decisions, quick decisions for very quick decisions. Um, yes, absolutely. But I
0: think, I think in a good way. So I just want to throw that. So if you do need to make some quick decisions or you need to do some brainstorming or work out some ideas or flesh some, uh, you know, things out, uh, that seems to be a really good time to do it. Um, so that basically brings us into. We have our first quarter in Cancer at nineteen degrees of Cancer, um, which uh, is, is so. We got another Cardinal first quarter. We're pushing off from a Cancerian space. Uh, any Cancer, any Cancer message uh, <laughs> to share there?
1: Um, I mean, not particularly. I, I think. Yeah. Like you said, this is the point in the cycle where we're taking action. We're taking action here. Um, so taking yeah. an action and from every season,
0: every season. I think, I think if anybody needs to take action, especially on a home front space or with a family issue or, um, even like food related and things along those lines or their children or something, it seems like, a because uh, I know a lot of people are moving right now, um, or I'm, I mean, I'm looking to move. I know some people that are actually physically moving at that time. So just in case you, if your story falls into there, uh, April 8th, you know, and that, that um, weekend, there's basically kind of that activating energy just in general. Um, because then what happens is, you know, Mercury is speeding along. Like we already talked about, it's almost out of Aries at this point. It's only been a very short period of time. Uh but what it does is mercury then goes on after after you know talking nicely with mars and saturn, it goes on to square pluto um on the uh on the 9th and 10th basically. Uh there. So you know, I feel like our decisions start to get to uh, real world. <laughs> I don't want to say consequences, but uh perhaps, you know, I feel like just the perception of what's changing after all
1: that. I don't know, Mercury, what do you think about Mercury and Pluto together? I think about it like a detective. Like this is a discovery transit. Like we're finding mm. something out and being that it's in a, sort of a friction creating square, there's might be something unpleasant that, or something that we need to work through or problem solve. Something might come to light that we're like, oh, what do I do about that? So yeah, um, that's a little bit about But I think also Mercury square Pluto can be really good for research and investigation. So anything like if there's anything that requires a lot of stamina in terms of writing or researching this, this is a good one to do it on. Yeah, I totally agree with that.
0: Uh, I like the idea of like coming up against something you're like, Oh, what do I, what do I do with that? Or maybe I need more information or I have to make a quick instinctual decision around something that didn't intend to pop up but was like buried or hidden and all of a sudden rises to the surface and needs like some sort of active Um, choice or decision-making or whatever behind it. It, That seems like it's, it's apropos for kind of the story and the lead up because keep in mind, we are leading up to a Libra full moon squaring Pluto. So there could be some sort of precursor to the Plutonian energy that is around April 9th and 10th, that kind of um, aligns with that. But basically after that point, then we got Mercury moving into Taurus, which is a Mm -hmm. totally different ball game than Mercury Mm -hmm. In Aries, right? You know, we're moving from that cardinal fire backed by Mars and Aquarius to now this fixed earth that's backed by the exalted Venus and Pisces. Um,
1: So any thoughts on Mercury and Taurus? Yeah, I think here communication, especially as you said, backed by Venus and Pisces, it can get a little bit more floral. And I think that I, all the people I know who have Mercury and Taurus, they're just really thoughtful communicators. They they are able to hold space in a very present way and really listen and, and respond to what the person is saying. So I think that Mercury entering Taurus will help us slow down and not only become um, more thoughtful communicators, but can sort of slow us down and become more thoughtful in whatever it is that we are cooking up.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah. Because it's it's the mind is going to be on, you know, earthly, physical, real world, material matters. Um, and it has that, it's nice because it feels like it has that creative, intuitive, imaginative bent behind it too. So it's focused on what's real and what's right in front of you, but it still has that creative impulse of Venus uh, in Pisces there too. So it's almost like if you need to kind of meld your, your, your physical world or your reality, or, or you have to do a job that needs creative energy behind it Um, and that's that could be kind of straightforward but can benefit from more of like coming from it from a more of imaginative pulled back kind of intuitive way I think the mind will be working it's almost like it can focus on what is practical and right before it, but it does so with an intuitive backing where the answers just come and you're like, oh, I guess that's what it is. And then I'm going to put that in into motion. Um, not to mention having just a much more lengthier attention span than yes. we had before, which is, which will be nice, I think.
1: Yeah. And there's something sort of careful about Mercury and Taurus mm. too. And just being in the resourceful sign of Taurus, I think that there's, there's definitely that sort of like, you know, we could think about Mercury flying through Aries is like getting something off the ground, starting something, move some, moving something in a new direction, new projects. And then we get into Taurus, Mercury and Taurus. And it's just like, all right, let's sort of marinate here for a minute. Let's, let's be really thoughtful about this and, um, really consider what it is that we're ultimately trying to do. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, Mercury is going to start s- sort of slowing down here in Taurus, we will eventually see Mercury retrograde from Gemini back into Taurus. that's an, another time. but point saying is that Mercury is just sort of slowing down here, yeah. it's uh it's like it's like wipes the sweat from its brow and it's
0: like, oh, that was a. I was act a few weeks here. Let let, let me process this. (laughs) Hold on. Let me process this. I might need a second. Um, Yeah. So that's, yes, that's uh, probably how that's going to go down, but really in the background here, or maybe in the foreground, depending uh, we are getting very close to our April 12th uh, Jupiter Neptune conjunction, which we only kind of touched on. Um, Now, of course we can only say so much. It's like, We've, uh, we've been talking for quite some time, so <laughs> we won't keep you forever. But, you know, uh, basically the whole lead up to, you know, like a week around, a week before, a week around, you know, this is Jupiter-Neptune territory uh, for pretty much most of April. But that exact hit is going to be on April 12th. Um, and so let's see, when does... The uh let's pull this forward because I'm thinking I find it so mm-hmm. April 12th, yeah. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking about that opposition basically on April 13th on Wednesday. And really, so if we just kind of pull it back here and we're thinking about Jupiter, Neptune, we've got that first quarter moon in Cancer. Um r- we're really probably Saturday, April. Saturday, April 9th is probably going to be nice because we're going to have a repeat of the weekend we just had with the grand trine of Jupiter. And, you know, and it was a nice weekend. I enjoyed it. I had a fabulous time. Uh, So just know that April 9th on that Saturday when the moon is in Cancer, it's going to trine into uh, Jupiter and Neptune. So we're definitely going to feel it there. Um, And then uh, the, what was the day I said? I already forgot it. Um, there we go. And then April 14th on that Thursday, uh, well, April 16 or April 15th, April, going back and going back. Mercury and Pisces got me (laughs) April 13th, April 14th. We basically have that moon in Virgo. That's going to light up Jupiter, Neptune too. So, um, any, any thoughts on, uh, it in the moment and in the bigger picture? I mean, what, what would you like to share about this? Tons.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think that this aspect, it it speaks of boundlessness and boundarylessness. So I think that I think about opening and Mm -hmm. the thing that, that really comes to mind for me is just like, if you open your arms or just like lay on the ground with your arms open, there's just some, there's just a quality of receptiveness here. So I think like, we're ready, we're ready to reemerge here, whether what there's just something calling us to reemerge and come together as human beings and to be together. I think that this aspect is really, um, commanding like a readiness for that. I think a lot of people are really feeling that. And I think it's magic too. I think Jupiter conjunct Neptune, this is magical, um, Alexander Ruperty points out that this is the high point of Neptune's transit through any sign because Neptune's going to spend 14 years in a sign. And when Jupiter meets up with it, it's like a hyper pronounced expansion of what Neptune is seeking to do. So with Neptune in Pisces, we've seen so many, we've seen a proliferation of magic and we've seen people kind of get into yoga, yoga there was the yoga boom at the beginning and now there's the astrology boom, but what has happened without that container is now the impersonator accounts, those dang impersonator accounts. So yeah, I think that that the deception quality of Neptune is there. And I think Jupiter in Pisces is all about hope. And so being in this dualistic mutable sign of Pisces, there's the fish that swims up and the fish that swims down. And so I think like the celebratory and the enchantment and the unity qualities are sort of informed by that other Pisces sort of experience of sorrow and heartbreak. Mm. And so it's almost like what we've all been through collectively. Again, we have the South node in, in Scorpio sort of reminding us that we've been through a collective trauma and, but look at, look at, how, how much better it feels to, um, be in a gathering with 10 people, you know what I mean? Or, or to be, to be on a beach where you see a lot of people, it just like, there's something so heartfelt and so, um, like beautiful, beautifully humanistic about togetherness that I think that Jupiter, Neptune, will tell about. And I think too, with it happening on a macrocosmic level in the world, I think that, um, you know, you see these feel good stories of, you know, the Russian soldier who, who surrendered and the Ukrainian people are like hugging him and offering tea and a phone call and he's calling his mom. And so you see stuff like that and you're just like, dang, like people, people really mean, can really mean well. And so, yeah, I think that there is that, like, uplifting quality of, of Jupiter and Neptune that just sort of dissolves borders between us. Mm, absolutely. Uh, and when it, Well,
0: and one of the things I think of uh, as, like, kind of the biggest border, and when we're talking about the collective trauma that we've been under and, uh, and different collective traumas that we continue to uh, perpetuate with. Um, Certainly. The... I mean one of the things I noticed about this weekend as I did my rounds getting my house plants and and that and is that no one I mean very few people were wearing any type of mask sort of situation yeah. everyone was out there was it was it was the first time it, and, it, and I felt it I was like this feels like normal. This feels what I remember normal to feel like, even though I know everything's completely different, you know, like, but my, my, myself and my emotions and my soul went back to this time that almost felt like bygone. And I'm like, oh, this is what this feels like again. So when you're talking about this boundlessness and the, and the borders dissolving, that's what I felt in the moment as I'm doing these errands, I'm going to these places and I'm seeing life just kind of like kick around and just be open more. And so it's interesting to think, too, with the the first quarter action that comes before this, if there will be more of that taking place where less mandates are going to be in place and and more people are just opening up and, you know, the the threat is already there. Or maybe even we get to the point where someone declares it uh, in certain countries to be an endemic rather than a pandemic, you know, type of situation. Like, it makes me wonder just because I felt that way this weekend and I noticed just the, the visceral difference. Um, of how i felt within myself in the community and how everybody seemed to be feeling and being on the uh, this wavelength with other people
1: that all seem to be pushing towards an openness like you you're saying so i think certainly. that's a big part certainly and i would agree i know a lot of people are getting rid of the mask mandates and stuff and i know that there's still going to be plenty of people who feel like the rest of the the world is delusional you know with that Neptune quality there? Like, are we, are we jumping into this? So I think that there's still sort of that question mark there, but what is certain is that people are ready for that connection. And I think that that's what that, that, um, alignment really speaks to is unity and love and forgiveness and healing. And the other thing I would say is that Know astrology, we are having a renaissance right now. Like, there is so much good astrology. I remember being a 20-something and wishing I had podcasts to listen to and wishing I had astrology like videos to watch and more people my age to speak the language. And it's like wow, like now there's just there's so much good astrology out there. And so I think that. That is a good thing that we're getting out of Jupiter conjunct Neptune.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're getting we're getting some gems as far as like the spiritual movements, just in, in general, and like a bigger cosmology and and understanding it and more wisdom coming out about that. And then to play on the duality, as you were just talking about, the impersonator accounts. There's going to be we have to still use a discernment um, around all of it too, because there is when anything is saturated, there is going to be a cream of the crop basically. So you want to be discerning about what you take in when there's so much of it. Um, and to remember that not everyone is at the, uh, the same, a uh, same level, you know, either. And so there kind of be, uh, you know, the impersonator accounts, there can be people out there that jump in too quickly and, and like, or I don't know, it's just that, it's, it, and that's the thing with Pisces It's it's got a duality. It's got the best of, in the worst of both worlds, you know, Yeah. <laughs> essentially. So I, I'm totally there with you on like, just all that, you know, because really the rise and Tony and Howard and I were talking about this on a podcast once and the rise of astrology coming to the forefront was um, really Jupiter in uh, Scorpio. So think about it, like Jupiter mm-hmm. trining in from another water sign and that being kind of like the call that brought a lot of, you know, the rise to get to this conjunction point, right? To, from water, 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 trying to water, water conjunction. Um, mm-hmm. And okay. here, yeah, it's, it's interesting to, to look at, but definitely beyond the, and spread the, let people know about the kind of impersonator thing. Like I have a feeling it's going to run to a head at this point. Like it's probably gonna get real bad here. Um, but hopefully I'm thinking we can probably turn the page, uh, somehow once the, you know, cause it's not like Jupiter, this is a one-stop grand conjunction. It's not Jupiter. Ain't, Jupiter ain't coming back
1: to Neptune. It's just, <laughs> yeah. And like, because this is happening in Pisces where Jupiter has rulership and where Neptune is quite comfortable. Yeah. You got to think that like, there's some really good things that are going to come out of this, but you gotta, you gotta stay vigilant because Neptune is, is hypnotic. So um, we'll very often see what we want to see. So, but I think it's powerful for inviting back a soulfulness to life. Yeah. But it makes me think too about like, um,
0: uh divine detours of, so, of sorts because, like, I had an impersonator account a couple weeks ago, and I was able to lo- luckily nip it in the butt because don't mess with Scorpio rising. Capricorn moon, <laughs> no, I am God. I will find the way to take you down. Um, so it only <laughs> happened for like two days. But you know, it was an interesting, uh, I guess coin this term, I'm not coining the term, but use the term blessing in disguise. Yeah. Um, is that it brought a lot of, like, uh, clients that I hadn't talked to in a while that, you know, this person impersonating me reminded them of me in, in booking consultations and, like, you know, so it was an interesting. I was being impersonated, <laughs> um, but it actually brought people that were like, oh, yeah, I need to talk to Mel. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's been a second and, like... <laughs> So it's, it's funny how that works, you know, yeah. oh, there, there could absolutely be blessings in disguise for something that is not like the deception, but it actually brings you, you know, something that's,
1: yeah. I mean, you're reminded of the community that you're cultivating. Cause people are like, don't worry, I got you. I reported them and you're like,
0: oh, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all together here. And I mean it obviously pay attention to this time frame too for some fantastic music film oh yeah uh art poetry you know any type of like visual imagery representation like i have a feeling this is going to there there probably be some key pieces of um uh from the from the imaginative self that is born during this time that we look back on and remember remember that hit movie of April 2022 or you remember when that quintessential album came out in April 2022 like I feel like there's there's some of that brewing uh as well yes yeah well so that's uh that's Jupiter Neptune in a nutshell
1: uh Mm -hmm. basically here um but so let us yeah go ahead I was just gonna say they want they want us to feel lift (laughs) for sure
0: um so I will take that I will, I want, I want that too. I want that too, Jupiter and <laughs> Neptune. Yes. Trust me. Um, so well, speaking of the Pisces action, right? You know, on the 14th, we got Mars moving into Pisces now. So Aries season takes a little bit of a, of a change. Uh, Mars has gone away from Saturn. Mars has gone through the, bare, the, the bending of the nodes. And on the 14th, it is um, in Pisces now. This is a yes. different type of Mars. This is a, <laughs> well, and it's so interesting that it ingresses at the time of Jupiter, Neptune too. So what, I, I imagine like going to bed one day and then waking up the next and it being like a totally different, like an et- energy or world or like what's driving you or like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's so starkly different.
1: Yeah, I think that, yeah, like Mars in Pisces is definitely more of like a compassionate warrior, you know, who wants to champion um, or help sort of uplift the underdog a little bit. And yeah, Mars, Mars in Pisces definitely is motivated by um, issues that, that matter to them in a heartfelt space. So however that speaks to you and your value system um, yeah, Mars is going to encourage you to sort of fight for that because, again, we're in Jupiter territory. So what do we believe in? And there's something definitely compassionate and heartfelt there. And I think about Mars in Pisces and social justice. This is something that we we see a lot. And we saw it two years ago um, with the George Floyd protest. That was right when Mars had also entered Pisces. And so people came out of the woodwork. People came out of quarantine to, to hit the streets and to fight for This, these issues that, that matter, you know, to, to not just us, but, um, the collective. So, um, yeah. So yeah, I think that Mars and Pisces is definitely, um, it's less rigid than it is in Aquarius for sure. Yeah. absolutely absolutely and
0: and I don't even know if there's a there's a ridge on it with Jupiter conjunct Neptune mm-hmm. <laughs> backing it. it's almost like we go from this like kind of structured space to all of a sudden fi- fighting for openness too you know that's the thing as we as we get a taste of you know life moving uh on and and getting more space not space in the aquarium way but like not it's almost like we're getting room to breathe if that, if that makes any sense because it's under it's out from under the striction of the of saturn it's seeing the openness uh in the expanse of jupiter and neptune and venus is there too it's like come on in mars the, the
1: water's warm you know <laughs> like- yeah yeah and mars wants to create space and create possibilities and yeah and and the other thing i can mention about um Mars and Pisces. I feel like Mars, whenever Mars gets an immutable sign, my energies sort of scatter a little bit, but it helps to check off a lot of the lingering uh, threads on your to-do list. So Mars and mutable signs I find is really good for just like finishing all the random little tidbits as well. Speaking as a Mars and the
0: mutable sign, yes, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it can get a little distracted. Um, it's great. I feel like Mars and mutable signs are great at finishing things, but you got to know it's not a linear, it's never linear. It's like, sometimes you have energy from it for it. Sometimes you don't, sometimes you're in it and then, you know, a bird flies to your feeder, and then you're distracted doing something, (laughs) something else, you know, and especially with Mars and Pisces, it's like, sometimes you'll, you'll be inspired and you'll have the motivation to do something and you'll be in the flow. And then other times it's just not there and you're tired. Yeah. You know, you, you, don't have it in you. And so it's learning to kind of, uh, you know, th- to use the surfer term to kind of like ride the wave, you, you know, you got to find your, your flow within it. Get it when you get it, ride it, ride it to the crest, stay on the board. But when it's not there, like don't fight the wave either, because yes. there's, there's, it's kind of going to ebb and flow. Um, and if you want easier, easy action, uh, you just got to kind of tap into when that's going to happen, but yeah, I really have a feeling it's going to, you know, at this point, uh, the sun is already at like 25 degrees Aries. We're getting to the end of Aries season, mm-hmm. but the last couple of days are an interesting vibe because, you know, now we have this Mars and Pisces, which leads us into the full moon yes. on Saturday, the 16th, which we've already said a few times, um, is going to have a uh, T-square with Pluto there in Capricorn. Um, and, yeah, but, but it's interesting how both the sun and the moon's rulers, you know, Mars and Venus are now both kicking in Pisces. <laughs>
1: they're together and they're pretty happy. They're pretty happy there too. They're both, they both have dignity in Pisces. So yeah, that's looking good in yeah, that regard. In that it, regard. It is, it is. And <laughs> so, well, it's so interesting to
0: add the Pluto component to it too, because, you know, to me, Pluto always kind of brings, I don't know, it it always brings some sort of like change to me. It's like, we know change is upon us. Something is dying. Something is regenerating. Something is uh, pushed to a brink to where it, it might not with stain but it's going this way or we're making a big huge change in our life that's changing everything it, it looks different for different people at different times but to me there seems to be some sort of like big change or regeneration that's brewing within it and i don't know change is not always that bad de- depending like I, but there could be a lot of uh, you know kind of take not take to the streets i i, I feel like Pisces is less take to the streets more than using art as a tool to Mm -hmm. send a message um, Mm -hmm. uh, for what they'd like to see in the world or protest or anything like that. But anyways, I'm Yabin. What, what do you see in this,
1: uh, in this full moon? Okay. Um, yeah, before I get into it, I do have to just let you know, Melissa, I do have to go very soon. So okay. We're, we're, let's get this. We're taking it, taking it out. This is the let's last one. This is our last one. Okay. So yeah, I do think it's interesting that it falls on Kamala Harris's, um, she has it reversed. She is a Libra born on an Aries full moon. So she's also having that Pluto square to her luminaries, so that's something to just tuck in the back of your mind and look for, and see if we hear more from her, if we see more developments in her own Pluto story, because we are in our Pluto return here in the United States, and that will be going on all year. So I think that her holding holding an executive seat, I think that we could see some developments um, with the Pluto return as. Um, the charts of our leaders can sort of um, fill in as a chart for the nation as well. So yeah, that will be interesting to look for. But on a, on a personal level, I think that um, you know, if Aries is the sign that gives us the courage to just burst forth, and it's it's more impulsive, it's more honest, it's genuine, it's it's not necessarily polished and refined. That full moon in Libra kind of reminds us the re- the good reasons why we do sort of want to manicure our presentation just slightly, you know? So I think it's about the balance, you know, the full moon is always going to bring the balance. And so that Libra full moon is going to remind us of the benefits of, of aesthetic, you know, Libra is a designer and, and understands how to curate something in order to produce a harmonious result. So there's something about smoothing over here with this Libra full moon.
0: Yeah, I, I could definitely see that and the aesthetic quality, you know, backed by Venus and, and Pisces who's sextiling into Mercury and Uranus who are conjunct. So, you know, Mer- I feel like Venus is, ta- is going sort of like next level with the, the creation and the innovation and, and kind of twisting uh, reality in the box a little bit here too. So there's, there's just a nice component there, especially Mercury conjunct Uranus. That's a, that's a lead up to a whole other story that's starting to bring- <laughs> too. So it feels like it feels like this whole season has like it, it's it's moving from the Saturn story uh, essentially to the Uranus story with Jupiter and Neptune smack dab in in the middle. So it's a it's a very crucial season as it usually is. But I mean, in this one, just overall, you know. um, And when we talk about, I just have to say, I mean, it's no brainer. But Libra full moon. This is definitely an I versus another, you know, type of thing. These are when we talk about relationships, things coming to a head and all that, this is definitely a big, a big point for that too. But it could also be just how you're, where you're in in union, where you're going, the new ideas that are coming in with Mercury and Uranus, the merging together, making changes from that. Um, and so it's, it's got, it, it's, I feel like it has more ease and it has more crunchy. Um, yeah. but there's a little bit of that there and the other thing
1: too is that sometimes you know with this Pluto component it can add a great deal of intensity yeah. and while the the full moon libra might desire to polish or make peace sometimes we have to excavate the what's underneath in order to really have that sense of peace sometimes we need to confront what's really what's really going on what's really inhibiting um, you know, between where we are and where we want to be. And so there may be that need to sort of do that deep dive or excavation in order to get the results that you want.
0: Absolutely. that's and well, and that's perfect for the way uh, airy season it, like lays it itself out because essentially, you know, the sun squares Pluto, the, you know, the next day or closely after that, you know, Mercury conjuncts Uranus. Um, so these are those conversations that come up to change things. These are the, you know, the intensity that needs to come up so that the page is turned So it's like, it's perfect. It essentially leads us into uh, eclipse season. Um, so it, it's big, whatever brews here. Um, so it could be intense, but in, in a way that fits where everything is going. So, um, that being said, Catherine, if you had one word for Aries season, what would it be?
1: I want to say surprises. That's just what is just in instinctively coming to me, but we'll see. <laughs> I like that. I like surprises. I think of,
0: uh, I, I feel like I'm coming back to an old one with Nike and like, just do it. Just yes, just do it. That's three words. That doesn't count. But uh, <laughs> but I like surprises. I'm bank. I'm banking on that. I would. I would love it to be surprises.
1: I <gasps> mean, we didn't talk too much about Uranus this month, so I don't know why that word is coming to me. But we'll see. <laughs> well, we are ending on Mercury conjunct Uranus, so <laughs> maybe that's yeah, what I'm picking. Up. <laughs>
0: I think that's what you're picking up. Maybe that's the end of the word. That's the word for the end of the season. There. Yeah, um,
1: I love it. So, all right, Catherine. Well, where can people find you? What do you got going on? So I've got several speaking engagements coming up in the near future for some various NCGR branches. So if you're curious in hearing some of those lectures or presentations, you can find me at katherineurban.com. That's Catherine with a C, Urban with a U. And I'm also booking consultations. So if you would like to have a one-on-one session with me, that's where you can find that. And I'm on all platforms at Astro Catherine.
0: All right, perfect. So um, I'm going to leave all of Catherine's information there over on my blog post on energeticprinciples.com. You can also find me on Instagram at Principles. And I do want to say that I am doing, uh, and I probably said this in the beginning of the podcast, that I'm doing a uh, little free webinar uh, slash mini workshop with Christina Caudill on the uh, Equinox here on the 20th. It's going to be at 9 a.m. Uh, Pacific, uh, 12 uh, noon Eastern. And it's called Activating Your Aries Mission. So we're going to look into the equinox, but we're going to have, um, you know, we're going to, how can you activate this for yourself? And what does that mission look like? And so you can sign up for the registration to get the Zoom link in the description below. Uh, And there will also be a PDF uh, with uh, our nine activating items for you to download as well. So come join us. We'd love to have have you. Um, and yeah, so I'm excited about that. Um, and all right. So if you like this program, you want to share it with a friend, you know, leave a review where you listen to it, uh, shoot an email over to someone who might like it, you know, cause sharing is caring. Um, and yeah, so, uh, Aerie season, here we come. Thank you, Catherine, for joining me. It was a pleasure to host you again.
1: Thank you so much, Melissa. Always a blast chatting with you.
0: All right, everyone. Well, thank you for tuning in with us for this long round of Aries season. We wish you the best with all that is going on. Uh, And as always, may the stars be with you.